Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Big Sills! Welcome aboard National Football Show. The road to the NFC Championship game. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Arrowhead Stadium. Can you get two better fan bases to be hosting conference championship games? It's not in LA. It's not New York. It's not Chicago. It's football fans. Arrowhead and in Philly at Lincoln Financial. Dude, you can't you can't get better fan bases. You can't have better atmospheres for two of the most important games of the year. The conference titles. Man, and we're not talking about Los Angeles. Which if you went into SoFi Stadium, you couldn't tell what the home team fan base was. I can't tell you how many times Rams and their fans completely get overshadowed by the visiting teams that roll into those places. Shit, we saw what happened in Arizona when the Eagles played there. These are two great, two great fan bases to kick off the National Football League's road to the championship in Glendale, by the way. Awesome stuff. Man, all the votes that I voted on, we now see the finalists. I'm going to get to that here in a second here. I'm telling you, man, this is going to be an epic game on Sunday. And I said this yesterday to you. The rosters in the NFC are better than the rosters in the AFC championship game. The quarterbacks are better in the AFC. The teams, I think, are better in the NFC. What does that tell you? You don't need a franchise quarterback to win a Super Bowl because I think the champion is coming out of the NFC title. By the way, later on today, 5.30 Eastern, Ron Jaworski will join us. We'll talk to Jaws and get his thoughts. Can't wait to see this. The two best teams in the NFL are playing in the NFC title game. The two best quarterbacks in the NFL or playing in the AFC championship game. That's what it's going to come down to. And I'm going to make this proclamation here about the Eagles. A dominant performance by Philly in that game on Sunday will go a long way in silencing everyone, including yours truly. You silence the Niners and you beat up the Niners like you did the Giants, I don't believe you are, but if you do, what a statement that would be for the Eagles, the organization, and it validates everything if you pound that football team into submission. If you put a dominant performance against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday, You're going to validate 
the quarterback talk. You're going to validate all the statistical numbers on the defensive side and the offensive side. This is a validation game. This is a validation game. Nick Sirianni, very glad to see Mr. High School's not in the top three for coach of the year. Very glad to see Mr. High School's not there. Just because you won the most games with the most talent doesn't mean you belong on that list. It doesn't. How many times did Bill Walsh win the coach of the year as the head coach of the 49ers? One? You're expected to be here with the best talent. Mr. High School, (laughs) waving his pom-poms again. See, somebody in Pittsburgh went after him. He's making faces on the sidelines because he pounded the shitty Giants. What's he, John Gruden all of a sudden? That's the way you eat them guys up and beat their asses. I thought Nick had one eye. Hey, how you doing there? What you doing there, matey? I think a pirate or something. We beat the hell out of the Giants. (laughs) Don't do that in front of the camera. (laughs) He said, Mr. High School. Mr. High School. I'll get to him in a minute here. Holy cow. Now he's starting to get shit from people across the country when it comes to his little sideline antics. Starting a wave in, um, in Arizona. Getting, get, getting the fans, screaming at the fans in Indy. No, no. Hey, we beat up the Chinese. <laughs> this guy's a pirate, dog. <laughs> we're going to get to the keys to the game. And also, we're going to ask a question here in a second. Mr. High School, that's what you got. And everyone around the NFL that voted for the coach of the year knew it. That's why he's not on the top three. We're going to get to some of those guys here in a minute, too. By the way, I also ranked the top 10 players in the conference championship games. Top 10 guys. You may disagree or agree. We'll get to that here in a second. Okay? (laughs) Mr. High School, Coach of the Year. Eh, Not happening. I told you he wasn't going to be in it. I told you he wasn't going to be in the top three. Dougie P is, oh, Doug Peters is going to be the NFL coach of the year. If they don't, if they don't give it to him, they're going to be because in New York, they're going to give it to Brian Dable. I told you Brian Dable's the best coach in the NFC East. And everyone else thinks the same as I do, except you, because you lack Mr. High School. Mr. High School, Mr. Palm Palm Waver. I like Mr. High. There's a part of me, though, because he's Paisan, that I like Mr. High School. Mr. High School Sirianni, how you doing? <laughs> it's okay, man. He'll be waving and cheering and running up and down the sidelines to getting the Eagle fans going on Sunday night. I'm very sure of it. Coach of the year, only in Philly. Nobody else thinks he's coach of the year. How you doing? <laughs> Act, that's right, Mint. Act like you've been doing it for a bit. 
Act professional on the sidelines. Here we go. All right. I saw Shane Steichen was up for the AP Assistant Coach of the Year. That led me to this topic here. What Eagles coordinator will have the toughest task against this 49er team? What coordinator do you think is going to have the toughest job in putting his players in a position to win? Who? Shane Steichen? Or Jonathan Gannon? Who will have the toughest job at keeping his team in it? T. Will says Gannon. Special teams coordinator. One breakdown could cost you a game. You know, Bill, I should be ashamed of myself, Bill. You're right. I probably should have put the special teams coordinator. My God almighty, I never even thought about that, Bill. One of the issues all year long has been special teams, has it not? Because this is one of those games. This is a coin flip game here. Bill, you're right. Could be the special teams coordinator. I should put that in there, man. You're right. Okay? And they have not been good in that area. They have not been good. It is. It's special special teams on both sides could cost one of these teams the game. Because this is a coin flip ball game. Okay? This is a coin flip ball game. By the way, okay, Brock Purdy's going to be the rookie of the year, the offensive rookie of the year. Do you understand that? He's going to be the offensive rookie of the year. It's not going to be the receiver from the Jets. It might be the running back, Walker, from Seattle. But I think it's going to be Brock Purdy. I think they're going to give Purdy the rookie of the year award offensively. I do. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna give him the rookie of the year. I get it. Guy played in five regular season games, seven total, fourteen touchdowns, four picks. He's been brilliant, man. Especially in the postseason, he's been brilliant. Okay, he's been absolutely brilliant. But I think he's gonna get the rookie of the year award. We'll talk about what that means for Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo and all that other stuff. You imagine giving three ones and a second rounder to move up into that two hole to get Trey Lance and now being reported, you couldn't get more than a third rounder for Trey Lance. Holy cow. You gave a King's ransom up for a dude you may want to move off of. That's insanity. Okay. Brock party. This guy's going to win the rookie of the year award. Holy shit. Rookie of the year, baby. How you doing? Trexel says Dallas should have beat you. And the Bears should have beat you too. The Bears. Oh, that's right. That's okay. You ended up getting beat by Dak. Dak, who's at home right now, worrying about his job. Then you got beat by Andy Dalton. Congratulations to you. Hell of an ending to your season. So look at the quarterbacks that the Eagles have played. And by the way, I think Brock Purdy's going to throw for 80% against your football team. 
You know why? They all do. I showed you since week 11. Now, you did a great job against Daniel Jones. But I showed you since week 11, the average quarterback completion percentage was 73%. You all of a sudden think that's going to improve? Why? Why would you think that's going to improve? Well, okay, you get CJ back, Sills. Okay? Brock Purdy is 2017 Case Keenum. Brock Purdy is the 2017 Nick Foles. I know you'd go the lesser. I'm going the higher. And I think he's somewhere in the middle. I think he's somewhere in the middle between Foles and Keenum. I do. This guy's B. Geno Smith, who's on the list for comeback player of the year. Beat him. Beat Dak, who's owned the Eagles. Damn. Go get him, Purdy. That Purdy boy in San Francisco got it going on. Guy I think is going to have the most difficult time, I think, is going to be Jonathan Gannon. Because I'm not sure you have the horses to cover what San Francisco has. Who's covering George Kittle? You don't have a linebacker in the group that could touch him. George Kittle will destroy that. TJ Edwards has struggled all year covering tight ends. And you can't put CJ on him. This guy's bigger. He, he's more of a physical. He'll kill that guy. Who covers, who covers George Kittle? I want to hear one Eagle fan tell me the guy that you think can cover him. Because you don't have a guy. By the way, by the way, on the flip side of that, Fred Warner covered CeeDee Lamb, which means he's got speed. Dude, Dallas Goddard is a completely different dude. I don't think you can cover Goddard. He's six five and a half. He's 275 pounds. That ain't CeeDee Lamb. He's more physical. I think, I think Warner is a great linebacker. He's not Roquan Smith, but I think he's in the room. But, dude, Dallas Goddard, man, he's more of a physical, imposing guy. I think he's going to struggle covering that guy, especially if the Eagles get the run game going. So there's all kinds of mismatches. Okay? Warner's good, man. There's no doubt about it. Goddard, though, is a different breed, man. And like I said, on the other side, I don't think there's a guy on the Philadelphia Eagle defense that can cover George Kittle. George Kittle's a player, man. He shows up every week. Okay? Okay? He's a good ball player. Sacadelphia Eagles will conquer plus the 12 man at the link. 12 man at the link will be a factor, man. Okay? Will be a factor. Will be a factor. Um, who covers Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield? CJ? You think Gardner Johnson can cover him? Gardner Johnson can't cover Christian McCaffrey. And and for the record, I don't think the Eagle defensive tackles are better than the San Francisco 49er defensive tackles. I mean, the Eagle 
They're 21st against the run. They didn't have a great year against the run. And that's what San Francisco does. They run the ball. So you're going against a football team that has your kryptonite. You can't stop the run. I mean, this is, this is, I speak the truth, not cheerleader bullshit. You don't, Sue and Joseph, you got out of a ice cream store to stop some of the run. Those guys have been playing all year. And San Francisco, their issues is in the secondary. Their issues are in the secondary, okay? 16th, technically, against the run. I thought it was 16th. 16th. 16th against the run. San Francisco is elite against the run. Okay? They're elite. Now, I'm not saying that the Eagles are not going to have success running the ball. That's an elite O-line going against an elite defensive line. And I happen to think in that battle, if I'm favoring, I'm favoring Philly. There's more stars on that side of the ball. Okay? There are. But don't go into this thing thinking you have the better run defense than San Francisco. Far from it. You do not. You do not. Look at the trends. You don't have the better run stoppers. San Francisco does. You have probably the better overall front seven. When it comes to outside rushers and back, damn, that thing is so close too. Who's covering Debo Samuel? You're going to put Bradbury on him or Slay? I wouldn't put Slay on him. Slay's not a physical player. If I'm going to put anybody on Debo, I'm going to put Bradbury on him. CJ's not fast enough to keep up with him. So I would put that. Now, here's the advantage for Philly. Philly, in my opinion, that offensive line in San Francisco, I think outside of Trent Williams, they're good. I wouldn't put the tag great on it. Great's in Philadelphia. Okay, greats in Philadelphia. But don't think you're going into this NFC title game where you have mismatches every, you do not. San Francisco has numerous mismatches that you can't defend. You cannot defend George Kittle. You cannot defend George Kittle. There's no one on your team that can. Now, Goddard's going to be a handful. Outside of that, they've... You, you have the better tandem wideouts, I think. This kid IU can play, but Devontae's better. Okay? The tight ends are pretty equal. You can flip a coin. The running back is more versatile, and he's better than Miles Sanders. The O-line clearly is what sets this conversation apart. This is what sets it apart here, is the O-line in Philly. Okay. Last week, Lane was spectacular. This week, and I, you know, and I, and I disagree with Barrett, and I disagree with everyone. If I'm the 49ers, I'm not putting Nick Boza on Lane. I'm putting him on Malata. You know why? Because I want to get to Jalen Smith from the blind side. I want to hit him from the blind side. If I am the D coordinator in San Francisco. 
I, I bring blindside rushes because I want to hit that kid and I want to test that shoulder out immediately. And I want to put that kid on his head. That's what I want to do. Why in the world would I put my best defender on the best offensive lineman? You find the weakness and attack the weakness, not find the strength and attack the strength. Now, they may be thinking right out of the gate here, well, let's just see how healthy he is. I get that. I get that. Dank goes, good luck. Dude, the guy's injured. You're going against the best defensive player of the year, okay? You're going against the, you're going against the best player in the NFL on defense this year. That's a 70% Lane Johnson is not going to block Nick Boza all day. Common sense, use it. Try a little bit of objectivity. Just a little. Just a little. Okay? Just a little. Okay? Jamie, uh, uh, Lane, Lane and Trent Williams, those two guys are right there. Those two guys are right there. Poses gassed. Once again, when you see comments like that, it's wishful thinking. Hey, Brock Purdy's going to turn into a pumpkin come Sunday. Wishful thinking. He hasn't. Until that moment happens, that's, that's not objective. Well, it's a Philly fan. That's not. the pre- What do you think was more pressure? Fox even showed you. Because they made the Cowboy 49er game the premier game for a reason. Playing against the Eagles or playing against the Cowboys with all the national media and Jerry Jones and Fox behind it. That guy played a pressure game last week. The Eagles played the Giants. This guy played a pressure game already. He played the Cowboys. He's going to be ready for Sunday. It's not going to face him. Especially when you go into a football game, when you got a guy that has all that talent around him. Just hand the ball off. Well, you think playing against the Eagles is more special than playing against the Cowboys on national television? You're out of your tree. That was the case. They'd have made the Eagle game the Sunday night game. The 49ers are the 2017 Minnesota Vikings. A very nice, yeah, whatever, dude. That's not going to, by the way, they've already killed you from a year ago. They've already beaten you. They know how to beat this team with that RPO stuff. Try winning a game against one of these guys first before you start crowing. That's what the guy in Pittsburgh was saying about high school Nick. Hey, hey, you beat the Giants. I mean, really, if you beat the Niners like that, I'm going to take all this back. If you beat the Niners, look at this guy. Jesus goes like this, ancient history, really. Like I said to you, name me one quarterback that this organization has beaten with a winning record that's an elite quarterback in the last two years. Give me one. Name me one. One. Just one. I'll go, you're right. Who? Oh, wait. (laughs) 
Who? You haven't played elite quarterbacks. And every time one lines up on you, he throws for a career percentage against the Eagles and Jonathan Gannon. You have not stopped an elite quarterback with a winning record yet. Jared Goff's now elite? Oh. Oh, <laughs> Jared Goff's elite. Aaron Rodgers didn't have a winning record. Got to listen sometimes, people. Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Trevor Lawrence. 36 games. Hold on. 34 games. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence in the last 34 games. Give me someone else you beat that's elite with a winning record. Ryan Tannehill is now elite to Eagle fans. Give me Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Let's see. 17, 7, 34 games. Name me one quarterback that you've beaten with a winning record that's elite. Name one. Trevor Lawrence, you got it. So in 34 games, you stopped one guy. That's why I said this game is going to go a long way at dispelling what I just said. Sills, you can't stand on that log anymore, dog. They just won the NFC Championship game. Cooper Rush. No. Eagle fan. He goes like this to me, Eagle fan. What is Sills winning about now? So I'm not whining. I'm not saying anything. You need to validate yourself by winning this ball game Sunday. Because I think some of those numbers, worst O-lines, horrible quarterbacks, resulting in overblown stats. We'll see when those stats and what they look like next year when you're playing elite quarterbacks. We did listen last week. You said the Giants were going to win by two. I did, and I said this also. You see what he does here? He tells you half the story. I also said this. If you get out and establish Dallas, Dallas Goddard, and if you get Miles Sanders going, you'll win by 10. That game won't be close because I don't believe Daniel Jones can go into Lincoln Financial and do the same thing. It wasn't the Giants that fooled me. It was the Vikings that fooled me. That's exactly what I said. Go back and watch the game. Go back and watch the show. It's exactly. For three hours, I said that. For three hours. If they get Goddard and Sanders going, it's over early. It's over early. How you doing? Okay. Dan Sirianni won the Greasy Neal Coach of the Year. (laughs) Hey, Mr. High School won the Philadelphia High School Coach of the Year Award. How you doing? (laughs) Um, Mr. High School. So glad he didn't win the Coach of the Year award. So glad. Okay? What's this? Come on, Sil. Do better than what? I'm telling you how I see this game playing up. As a matter of fact, let's go to it. I do think that Jonathan Gannon is going to have quite a job covering. Dude, 
Who did Jonathan Gannon, who do you think the Eagles feared the most in that giant game? Barkley? Okay. Saquon? Sure. Dude, this is Debo Samuel. Diayu kid's good. McCaffrey. Kittle. A potent running game. This is not one dude for him to have to scheme up. You don't have a linebacker in Philadelphia that can cover George Kittle. That's going to be a watch. Who covers him? TJ? He'll murder him. Kaiser White? He'll murder him. Okay? And like I said, I think on the other side, I also happen to think that Dallas Goddard is going to be a nightmare for the um, for the 49er linebackers to cover because I think he's more imposing and more physical. C.D. Lamb, whatever, dude. Yeah, that's great. He covered a lot. He covered a wideout, bro. This guy's a different dude, man. Who they beat? Hat. Who they beat? That was winning only three in your eye. <laughs> okay, so. Here's how I see this thing playing out. Keys to beating the 49ers. And then we'll do it the reverse, okay? Um, for the Eagles, the keys on beating that defense. You do have to establish the run. But here's what I do. Don't run away from Bozum. Run at him. Run at him. If you're going to put Boza over Lane... I think that's a mistake. If you put him over Lane, I'm running at Nick Boza. No, it's not. Not even if we beat the Niners. It's going to be pretty. Sorry. Hey, hey um, do me a favor, Tone. Can you put up that super chat? I want to make sure he gets his money worth there. I'm, I apologize. No, it's not. Even if we beat the Niners, it's going to be Purdy was a rookie. No. There's talent on that team. You and others won't stop until we beat Mahomes. Okay, sure. That sounds about right. Well, well, yeah. No, you're the better team. You should win. Let me finish now. I'd run at Bozum with Lane. Run at him. Wear him out. Run at him. Run at him. Run at him. Run at him. Why run away from him? He's going to make plays from the backside. Run at him. Run at him. Fourth quarter, he's gassed. Put Goddard over there, too. Have Goddard and Lane double-teaming that guy into the ground. Beat him up. Because if you look statistically at the rest of the guys on the Niners, they're marginal pass rushers. Five, six, four, shit like that, right? Run at him. Run at him. Keep pounding at him. Put Goddard. Goddard is a tremendous blocker. Dude, by halftime, that guy could be beat up because of what you did. Keep running the ball. Also, don't lose your patience with it. So what if you're tied after the first quarter, 0-0? Keep your cool. Be patient. This is where Kyle learned a lot from that Super Bowl disaster he had with Atlanta. Be patient. Stick to your guns, especially if something's working. Pound away at them.
Keep hammering away. Keep hammering. Keep hammering. Okay? Get Goddard going. Let's see who can cover him. I told you this against the Giants. If Goddard gets established and Miles gets established, the game's over. And it was against the Giants. Let's see if they can cover him. Their secondary's not. I'm telling you this by the second half. If they can get Goddard going and they get Sanders going, that secondary will have to come up and do what? They're going to have to come up and play the run, which means AJ's going to run and have a freak show game in the second half. Do I think they can do it? Yeah, I do. Okay? Jalen is so smart at the RPO. Run that RPO at him. Uh, Defending Jalen Hurts. In the run game, I want to see San Francisco stop him from breaking the edges down. He's broken the edges down of just about every single defense in the NFL that he has played since that 2-5 and five start. Okay? He has. I mean, they're fourth in the league in the regular season on third down. They were 10-13 of 13 against the Giants. If you see numbers like that against San Francisco, San Francisco is going to be on their heels the entire time. The entire time. Now, I will say this to you. It's a misnomer if anybody in Philadelphia thinks that you have better defensive tackles than the tackles in San Francisco. You do not. Armstead is better. He's younger. And so is the other guy. They're exceptional against the run. The Eagles are not. They're not exceptional against the run. They're 16th. Middle of the road to below. That's not exceptional. That's what San Francisco does. I'll get to that side of the ball here in a minute. Just keep pounding the ball. Now, for the defensive side against San Francisco, um, this is going to be quite a chore here. Okay? Does the pass rush count for anything with the DT comparisons? Um, I don't think you're going to see a lot of footballs in the air for the Niners. Um, Tone, I don't think you're going to see a ton of passes. I think you may see 25 passes, 26 passes, somewhere in there. So if you're not throwing the ball, the pass rush is almost negated by the fact that if they can establish the run. Why would I throw the ball if I'm establishing the run? I want a 1916 game against Philadelphia. I don't want a 31-30 game. That means Hassan Reddick and everyone else gets an opportunity to rush the passer. Why would I do that? Why would I run into the teeth of something that has been successful and massively successful for Philadelphia, which is rushing the passer? Go at their weakness. Run the ball. Limit pass rushes. If he throws the ball 20, if he throws the ball 25 times and you've established the run with McCaffrey and with Jet Sweeps with Debo, there's no need to throw the ball more. You you take away the biggest asset that the Eagle defense has. You know what that is? The ability to pass rush. 25 attempts in the game? Okay. I limit those guys to 25 pass rushes versus giving them 50 or 45. You cut that down in half, you limit their pass rush. Okay, you limit their pass rush. 
That's what you're trying to do defensively. And that's what you're trying to do offensively. You're trying to limit strengths. So Jonathan Gannon has got to stop the run. Now, what does that mean? Are you going to play TJ Edwards and Kaiser White closer to the line of scrimmage? Or are you going to be in fear of Kittle running down the seam? What are you going to do? They're not going to sit back there and have seven-step drops with three seconds. They're going to go three, three-step drops, and they're going to do timing routes because you don't have a linebacker that can cover Kittle or Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. You don't have anybody like that. That's why it's going to be high percentage completions for, Bur- for Purdy. Okay? The key is stopping a run, though. The key is stopping the run. Yeah, you see what Tyler says? Blitz Purdy. Yeah, the difference between the Niners and the Giants is the moon and the sun. They've got Debo. They've got McCaffrey. They've got Kittle. They've got Ayuk. They've got talent. It's the most talented team you've played all year. Vice versa. Vice versa. Okay? Niners, too. Got to stop the run. And you've got to figure out a way to cover for your weak linebacker pass coverage. Seth hammers it every day in our, in our post game. He hammers it every weekend. The Eagles struggle covering tight ends. They've struggled all year long covering tight ends. And now you got one of the top three guys coming in. That also frees up McCaffrey. To me, I think you've got to chip this guy. Don't let him get free release. I think that helps. Hit him, okay? Hit him at the line of scrimmage. Okay, do me a favor. Okay? Hit him at the line of scrimmage. So this guy, Ty, thinks Avante Maddox is going to come off the bench where he hasn't played in three months and cover an all-pro tight end. Fantasy land, dude. You watch too much cartoons. SpongeBob's not real, dude. SpongeBob's not real. Corners can't cover Kittle. He's 6'5, covering a tight end. You don't have anybody. Okay? You don't have anybody. So if I'm Gannon, do I bring pressure? Do I bring pressure? I don't think so. Not yet. See how it plays out. The kid's handled pressure exceptionally well. Okay? He's handled pressure. He's not going to be in a seven-step drop a lot of times in this game. It's going to be three-yard timing routes. That's why I'm saying hit Kittle coming off the line of scrimmage. Don't let a timing route get going because he'll come up that seam and he'll be in the secondary. And this guy will complete 80% of his passes the same way Andy Dalton competed, completed 88% of his passes. Andy Dalton went for 88%. Andy Dalton. Dak had 78%. Ryan, Matt Ryan had 78%. Some of the biggest stiffs from week 11 on. I could give you the list. I wrote it down, showed it to you. CJ can't cover Kittle. Not happening. 
Not happening. Not happening. And again, on the other side, for the Eagles, let's go to their offense. How do you attack um, the, the 49ers, excuse me, 49ers defense? How do you attack the Eagle offense? Don't let that thing get rolling downhill. The entire Eagle offense is set up with winning first and second down. They win first and second down. That's how you stop Philly. Go on long, sustained drives if you are San Francisco. If you put the field position on your side, you have sustained drives against the 16th-ranked run defense, Philly's not on the field. you got to limit them to under 60 plays. I'm talking the Eagle offense. Limit them to 60. You limit them to 60, you'll win the game on Sunday. Okay? That is not a comeback team. But here's the deal. If Philly starts getting going and they start rolling and they get a running game going and you can't stop it and they're having some success against the run against you, Philadelphia could win this game by 10 points. They're at home and the quarterback is more experienced than the quarterback that you have in San Francisco. This is more of an experience thing than a talent issue here now. The crowd's not going to make a factor except for snap count. Now, that's going to be an issue. So they've got to be prepared to go on silent count. I'm talking San Francisco, maybe even the Eagles. I saw the Eagles have to go on silent count against the Giants because it was so loud in there. Okay? So it's going to be quite a matchup here. There is a lot of miss. There's going to be big plays in this game. I am not thinking this is going to be a high score. That favors San Francisco. If it's a high-scoring game, it favors Philly. Okay? It favors Philly. San Francisco wants to play low-scoring games. They want to play 21-17 games, 28-20 ball games. That's about all they want to play. The, the Eagles want to get rolling. They want to get into a 12-13 play drive. Okay? They want to get – they're so mirroring of one another here. Okay? I mean, they, they will. I, and, and, and Stephen, I should say this. The crowd will be a factor in the noise. It will be. But it's not going to rattle anybody. It's not going to. That's overhyped. It's not, he just played in the Cowboy game. There was more hype around that game than there is this game. Facts. He was ready for it. Albeit at home. Albeit at home. Okay? Albeit at home. I get it. I, I, I get it. Actually, Purdy's averaging 275 yards in the last two playoff games. Come on, man. In his last, hey, Jalen threw for 154 yards, so I wouldn't be throwing numbers at anybody. Got 154 yards. Purdy in the two playoff games is averaging 275 yards in the air, and he's got three touchdowns with no picks. That's a false stat. That's a false stat. Okay? False. Playoff, he's 2-0. <laughs> this guy's got more wins in the playoffs than Jalen Hurts does. <laughs> Eagles don't have the run defense the Cowboys do, and that's a fact. That's a clear fact. Okay? 
That's a clear fact. Well, wait a minute. Eagles don't have the run defense. I don't know about that. I think the Cowboy run defense has struggled. I think the I think I think the Cowboy run defense has struggled a little bit this year too. Okay? No, and I personally think the Eagles have a better run defense than the Cowboys do. I wouldn't go down that route. I I would say Philly has the better run defense than Dallas. Okay? Okay, they had two solid games. Oh, I see. Well, Jalen's had one shitball game and one solid game. This guy's had two solid games, I guess. He beat the Cowboys and he beat the Seahawks. Jesus, at least there's some quarterbacks there. <laughs> I'm talking about the run defense. Got you, Tone. <laughs> at least he's beating quarterbacks. You beat Dimes Jones. Dimes Jones. Dimes Jones is like beating the University of Tulsa. <laughs> like beating like beating Tulsa. Dimes Jones. I gotta get into some of these awards here. Let me see here. Let's see here. Coach of the well, Mr. High School didn't get coach of the year. Here's your candidates for coach of the year. Brian Dable, New York Giants, best coach in the NFC East. Um, did a great job. Changed the entire culture around. Um, brought a team with no talent on offense into the postseason. Really only two guys. Congratulations to you. Did the best job of coaching of anybody in the NFC East. Sales Goddard or Kittle. Oof. We did that yesterday a little bit, man. I'm going to go Goddard. Both guys missed time this year, didn't they? Wait a minute. Most Both guys missed time. Damn, that's such a good one, man. Damn. Mm. Mm. I'll go Goddard because he's bigger. I, I'll take Dallas. I love that kid. I do, man. All the players on that Eagle team, I love that guy. He's my favorite. Nick Sirianni did the same thing last year. Harry High School. Mr. Harry High School. Here are the real coaches of the year. Brian Dable. Great job. Kyle Shanahan. Three different quarterbacks. Then he goes on an 11-game win streak. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And what they were able to do. They're 12-1 since they acquired Christian McCaffrey, too. D goes, where's Purdy played on the road? Three games. <laughs> yes, sir. Great job, Kyle Shanahan. That's the coach that's going against Mr. High School on Sunday. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Doug Peterson. Man, Dougie P going to win the Coach of the Year award. I, I think they're going to give it to Brian Dable. But, um, yeah, no, I think they give it to Brian Dable. But Doug Peterson should be the coach of the year. What a tremendous job of coaching. Guy wins a division title, first year in Jacksonville after cleaning that urban liar mess up. Man, what a coach. You fired this guy, right? Well, because you told the GM off, you fired him. 
I don't want anybody sharing the 17 title. This is my sandbox and nobody else's sandbox. You have to take your bail and your bucket, dog, and go down to the beaches in Florida. You can't play in my sandbox. You know, this is my sandbox. This is the Howie sandbox. <laughs> I, don't, I don't allow anybody to play in the Howie sandbox. Nobody plays in the Howie sandbox. Jeez, man. Not even Doug? No. You kidding me? Not after that Chip Kelly guy. He took my sandbox away, and I had to go sit in the shed for two hours. I hated it. <laughs> Dougie P, man. Way to go, man. Let's go over to this one here. Where's the MVPs? Here you go, MVP finalist. I already, I, I told you this yesterday. This is this, this is the NFL honors. This is the AP and the NFL alumni stuff. Jalen owns Brian Debo, and Dak owns you. <laughs> Here you go, eight MVP finalist: Mahomes, Burrow, Hurts, Allen. Jefferson, I told you that's how it was going to play out. That's exactly how I said it would play. Mahomes is going to beat Burrow for the MVP. Jalen will be third. By the way, he gets a player incentive for that, for finishing in the top three. I got to tell you guys this, all kidding aside. Hey, all kidding aside, I got to tell you, man. For a kid that we were talking about whether or not he's the future of the team, to finish third in the MVP voting is quite a remarkable season. Kudos to him. It is quite a remarkable season. Burrow will be second. Hertz will be third. Allen will be fourth. And Jefferson will be fifth. <clears throat> That's how I see that playing out. Mahomes is going to win it again. <clears throat> however, are you ready for this one? This is how I think this is going to play out here. I think here are the players for the offensive player of the year. Jefferson, Hurts, Mahomes are the AP offensive player of the year candidates. I think Jalen's going to win this. That's quite an honor. The offensive player of the year with his versatility. Look, some of you will go like this. Sills Jefferson had a great year statistically. He did, and so did Mahomes. But who was more versatile? When we're talking offensive player of the year, this guy had 13 rushing touchdowns, 700 rushing yards, and he threw for 3,700 passing yards. And his football team. Counting the playoffs, he was 15-1. and one. I mean, I don't know. How don't you give him the offensive player? You got to give him something. In a couple second places, I don't know. Okay? I think he's going to win that. I think he's going to win that. I think he's going to win the offensive, offensive player of the year in the NFL. I do. I think he's going to win that award. Um, would I have a problem with it? 
No. I could see them leaning to Jefferson because offensive player of the year, they kind of lean towards the big number stuff. Mahomes is in that conversation too. Okay. So I, I, I think Jalen, that's got to be, that's got to be in the conversation though for him. Okay. Uh, but you know, Dank, I think they're going to, I think they're going to, they're going to tie in the winning. I think they're going to tie in at all, man. I think Jalen, you know, I think he wins the offensive player of the year. Dual threat. You ain't winning a Super Bowl with that bull. And he ain't playing 10 years. Dual threat. He's been hurt two years in a row. $50 million for a guy that gets banged up two years in a row and misses games. I don't think so. Defensive player of the year. Um, Boza, Chris Jones of the Chiefs, and Micah Parsons are your defensive player of the year candidates. Is there a problem with this list? Parsons is a better player than Hassan Reddick. Reddick is a better pass rusher. Parsons is a better player. More TFLs. More, more, more tackles. Reddick's not a good tackler. And so when you're looking at the defensive player of the year, he's a one-trick pony. Parsons isn't. Okay? He's not. And that's why he's on that list. Do I think that Hassan had a better pass rushing year than him? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But he ain't a better player than the guy. Be out of your mind. He can't cover. He can't tackle. He's an exceptional elite pass rusher. That's what he is. Okay? Michael Parsons is a tackler. Um, he's a guy that can cover tight ends. He's a guy that rushes the passer. They move him all over the place. He, he's a better player. I mean, it, I, don't, I don't really have to have a debate on that. Um, I mean, what do you have, 50 tackles this year? And let's take a look at it. Let, let's just look at the numbers. Just statistically here. Micah Parsons stats 2022. I agree with that, Ty. Ty, that's why he finished third. He had 65 tackles. Oh, excuse me. No, he didn't. Yeah, he had 65 tackles, 13 and a half sacks. Um, sixty-five tackles. Yeah, man, he had a really great he, he, I mean, last month though, man, I didn't see him. I di I didn't see him. 13 and a half sacks. He had 14 TFLs. I thought that number was higher, but it's not. Look, he's third. I don't have a problem with that. Reddick did an outplay of Reddick. Outplayed Nick Boza. <laughs> Only in Philly. <laughs> Only in Philly. He's going to be the unanimous defensive player of the year. You understand that? He's unanimously going to win this award. Unanimously. Okay. You can pump your guy up. Is he fourth? 
Crosby, maybe the kid up in New England was good. Um, Miles Garrett, kind of in there in that conversation too. Okay, Miles Garrett, you know, was in there, but Hassan was up there too. If you said he's fourth, would I have a problem with it? No, no. Chris Jones being two. I thought he really had a great year. He's a $20 million a year guy, too. I thought he played well. And Boza, I think Boza really had a great year, man. TFLs, sacks, pressures. Um, he's the guy you're targeting every game to, to run at, to game plan against. He's the best offensive player in the NFL this year. Okay? I mean, he's a three-down D lineman. Hassan at 6'1", 230. Run at him. That's what I, if I'm San Francisco, I'd run at that dude. I'd run him over. He's a little guy. Run him over. If, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, wherever Hassan Reddick's lined up, I'd run at him. He's he can't tackle. And he's a little dude. Shit the fullback on San Francisco. Hey, Niner guy. What's the guy on San Francisco that made the all-pro team that's the fullback? He's bigger. Run at him. He's a little guy. Keep wearing him down. Run at that guy. I'd run him over. Like I told you that what I would do to Boza. I'd run at Boza. Don't run away. Run at him. He's going to make plays from the backside. You got you to you run at him. You got to run at him. Yeah. The little guy. He's a little tiny guy. There you go. Yeah. Just... Just check, though he's a good ball player too. He made the all pro team. He's like Mike Allstott. Okay, he's like Mike Allstott. He's a good football player. He's bigger than Hassan. Run at that guy. I mean, I'd run Hassan Reddick over. I'd put Trent Williams on him and pancake him as many times as I could until I broke that guy into Skittles. <laughs> I mean it. I'd t- I'd have Trent kill that guy. Hey, you see that guy there, Hassan Reddick? By the end of the game, I want him to look like an IHOP pancake. And you got a Hall of Famer just to do it. You know, Trent Williams has made 10 Pro Bowls in his unbelievable career. This guy's a 10-time Pro Bowler. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. Joshua, Fred Warner's crazy good. He is. But can he cover Dallas Goddard? I don't know. I don't know. I think Dallas Goddard is a handful. And if you don't stop him, man, he's going to have a big game. One of these tight ends is going to have a gargantuan game. Kittle or Goddard, someone's going to have a huge game. Okay, someone's going to have a big game because look at the tight ends that are in. Like like Tone said yesterday, man, you got three of the top five tight ends in the league that are in the final four, and there's a reason for that. That position has become so valuable. You know, there's a part of me that would rather have an elite. This is what they thought in Kansas City, isn't it? They got rid of Tyreek Hill because they didn't want to pay him. So they said this, well, we'll keep Kelsey. Having an elite tight end, in my opinion, 
I think is more valuable than having an elite wide receiver. Look how many championships Brady won with elite tight ends and no elite wideouts. Tom Brady never won a Super Bowl with an elite wideout in his entire career in New England. He won one in Tampa. I, I think Mike Evans is pretty elite. I think he, you know what, though? After watching him this year, I take that back. I think he's very good. I don't think he's elite. I think he drops the ball a lot. Brady never won a Super Bowl with an elite uh, wide receiver in New England. He did with tight ends, though. He did with tight ends. Okay? He did. Massive. Gronk changed the game. You know, the first guy that started changing that whole process, you know, Tony Gonzalez never won shit in Kansas City or in Atlanta. They didn't really win anything. And, and neither did Antonio Gates. But when you started putting these really great defensive football teams and these quarterbacks in the same room with them, covering a tight end today is impossible. Is impossible. Sills, Trent or Lane. The only reason I say Trent is because he plays the harder position. He plays the blind side of the quarterback, which is the left tackle. That's why he makes more. Trent makes $25 million. Not that Lane doesn't make a big number either. He makes $18 million. But the perennial best tackles in the NFL are your left tackles. Those are the guys that make all the money. Why? They protect the blind side of the quarterback. Okay? That's why I'm... Man, if I'm San Francisco, just makes no sense. I'm going to ask Jaws that question, by the way, at 530. I'll ask Jaws who he thinks is better, Trent Williams or Lane. You know, they're two different skill sets. And remember something in Philly. They're a run-dominant team. So your right tackle is usually your run-dominant guy. So he is your most important tackle in Philly. But in, but in San Francisco, that's not the truth. Because they protect the blind side. And the majority of the great tackles in the sport right now are your left tackles. There's very few great right tackles. That's why when I brought that list out, you know, Forrest Gregg was a right tackle. Ron Yeri was a right tackle. There's not a lot of guys that made the Hall of Fame that are right tackles in the NFL, mostly of the left tackle position. But Lane's had, Lane is a Hall of Fame guy, man. It's a privilege to watch him play. He's a great football player. He's a great football player. Um, let's see here. Hernandez was the first player New England paid big money. Ty, I think you're right. I think you're right. Before he murdered that guy, I think they gave him a $68 million contract extension. Remember something. Gronk was a second rounder too out of Arizona. You know, it wasn't like he was a, and I think Hernandez was a fourth or fifth rounder that New England got from the Gators. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I think he was a fourth or fifth Aaron Hernandez. I'm going to say this one more time to you guys. If Aaron Hernandez didn't murder that guy and they had that dual tight end set, they were going to change the game in the NFL forever. You couldn't defend both. Aaron Hernandez was a pro bowler. Okay. And Gronk is a hall of famer. These guys were going to change the game. That's why I say in New England, he never played and won a Super Bowl with an elite wideout. In his entire time there, in 21 years, he never won a Super Bowl with a um with a with with, with an elite wideout. Look at Jason. 
obviously Jason doesn't know history. They never won a Super Bowl with Randy Moss. They never won a Super Bowl with Randy Moss. Okay? They never won a Super Bowl. So Jason, read a book. Read a book. Cody, the Hernandez story is sad. Well, Cody, here's my only problem with the Hernandez story is that Urban Meyer or Urban Liar enabled this whole story. Instead of throwing him off the Gator team and instead of throwing him out, they kept him on the team knowing full well that this is a guy that was firing shotguns off in Gainesville. I was reporting it. And, of course, all the Gator media didn't want to hear it. But there was big, big sales. They said, well, he's a hurricane saying all this shit. True. But it was also facts. He was getting arrested with the Pouncey brothers in Gainesville. That's why he went in the fifth round. It was because he was a disciplinarian problem. So get this. Um, Urban Meyer throws Cam Newton off for a misunderstanding on a laptop. But keeps the murderer on his team. And he was able to keep the murderer on the team. And hide the 38 arrest in Gainesville because why? He had baby Jesus on the team, Tim Tebow. You that's the reason that he got an opportunity to try out for tight end in Jacksonville. Because he owed Tebow that. He owed that to him. He owed that to him. Hiding all the bad behavior of those Gator teams. 38 arrests in five years, that's a pretty significant number. Pretty significant number. And Doug had to go in and clean all that shit up. Okay? And there's a real coach. Not Mr. High School. Mr. High School. Hey, hour two. I want to take a look at the top 10 players that are in the final four. You tell me you agree or disagree. Also, a little more in the NFC title game. Dude, there is so much. There's, there's a couple coaches out there that I think get opportunities, in my opinion, that should be in line for, um, for coaching jobs. By the way, where's Jordan Davis? I see all these rookie of the year guys. Where's Jordan Davis? I want to hit on that. Hour two, keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
My name is uh, Fran Soleno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your social security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. National Football Show. Appreciate you guys coming aboard with us. Thank you very much. We're going to get more into the game on Sunday, but I'm, I'm looking for, let's see here. The defensive rookies of the year and candidates. Where are they here? I know Sauce Gardner's on. He's probably going to win it. Well, let me ask you this. What do you give Jordan Davis his rookie year? What grade would you give him? What grade would you give him? 13th pick in the draft. Shit, I personally think the kid, I think the kid down in um, Jacksonville had a great year as well. By the way, don't forget, Jaws will join us at 5.30 Eastern. What would you give him, a C? A three, a C. Brian, to some extent, you're correct. Who? Jordan Davis was very limited as a contributor to this team this year for the 13th pick in the draft. I mean, 
he was very limited. And then some would go, well, he got hurt. No, okay, I understand this. Okay, I get it. But his impact, when healthy, was it felt a little? I'll give Davis a C. He dealt with injuries this year, but also didn't make the impact I thought he would. Yeah, but why would you think he'd make an impact when he never made an impact in Georgia? I think this guy is going to be a good ball player. Exceptional? Fletcher Cox? No. He doesn't have the skill set for it. He's not a pass rusher. He's, he's, he's never in his entire NFL career. Well, it's limited. His college career. Ever, ever shown productivity. He is a combine freak show. Impact in the run game, he's a nose. So you drafted a guy with the 13th pick in the draft. You drafted a nose guard for the 13th pick. Didn't you at least, Tone, expect the guy to look a little bit like Fletcher? He's nothing like him. I mean, even in Fletcher's rookie year, you saw flashes of pass rushing. This guy's a non-pass rusher. Personally, I think he's going to be a good player. I don't think he's going to be exceptional. I don't think he's going to be exceptional. Now, let me let me do this. Let me do this. What pick was Vince Wolfert taken out of the University of Miami by the Patriots? Okay, Wilferk was the 21st player taken. Let me see. Let me see Vince's. Okay. Let me see Vince's. Let me see Vince's stats. Vince Wolferk. Let's go here with Vince. Let's let's go here with Wolferk. How many sacks he had in his career? 16 quarterback sacks. Um, 12 fumble recoveries. That's who Fletcher Cox is, or that's who Jordan Davis is going to be. Somebody like that. Vince may make the the Hall of Fame, by the way, because he played on teams that won Super Bowls. He's got three Super Bowls. Jordan Davis is not a disruptor. He never has been. Dude, he was the fourth guy in Georgia. The guys that are there now, the kid the kid Clark or Carter and the kid down in Jacksonville, Walker, those guys were the ballers. He When he got to the combines and he put that freak show on where he ran that 4-7-8, no doubt. But nine sacks in 43 games at Georgia. 13th player taken. Marginal impact on this team. I'm not going to sit here and do this and call the guy a bust. I don't think he will be. I think he's too talented for that. But to sit there and tell me he's going to be Fletcher Cox, that's a reach. I don't think he's soft. I don't think he's soft, Justin. I just don't think he's very productive. He's never been. He's never fulfilled his ability. And it's playing kind of out a little bit. Now, 
it's young in the process. I, I want to go another 17 games before we even make more assessment on it. But so far this year, he's who he is. He hasn't changed that. That he has not changed my interpretation of who he is. He's not changed it at all. He's not an impact player. Okay? He's not. When I watch Sauce Gardner play, that's impact. Hey, by the way, let's see where Sauce Gardner went in the draft. What pick was Sauce Gardner taken by the Jets? Okay, that's a high pick, and he's played into it. Hutchinson was a high pick, and he's played into it. Okay? He has. What's what's BS, Ray, about my assessment of Fletcher, or excuse me, of Jordan Davis? What's, what's, what's BS about it? Hey, Sil, so basically what you're saying is He's way too athletic and talented not to be effective in the pass rush. Is that correct? Yes. How can you run a 4.8 or a 4.7.8, be 340 pounds, and not ever bring any pressure on the quarterback? Okay? How, how's that possible? He had nine sacks in almost 50 games at Georgia. He's not around the ball a lot. He's not around the ball. Ikun goes, I never liked to pick. He listen, Ikun, he's not gonna be a bust. I don't think. I, I don't think, but he's kind of who I thought he was. That he's not gonna change that that narrative on who he is. Do you think he lacks the pass rush moves? Can he get – I think he lacks the, the conditioning tone to be a good pass rusher. you got to be a really good conditioned player to be a pass rusher. That's why he has low numbers in that area, tackles for loss and also in sacks. Okay? In my opinion, that's the big deal there for me is the fact that for me, I think he struggles mightily because of his conditioning. Okay? I do. I think he struggles because of conditioning. I apologize, guys, for the um, internet. We're having all kinds of issues out here in SoCal with it, though. So I appreciate you guys hanging with me. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to move off, and I'm going to get more into the games here in a second here. But um, just want to tell you again that um, I expect to see more from him next year. And I'm hoping to God that the guy decides to take his thing a little bit more serious when it comes to getting himself in better shape. Okay? He's going to be Linville Joseph. I hope 13th pick. That's not cutting it. Okay? That is not cutting it when it comes to that. you got to get more out of that 13th pick than being uh, Linville Joseph. So, Dan, thoughts on Jalen Hurts winning the 64th Burt Bell Professional Player of the Year Award today. Great award for him. Congratulations. It's a tremendous award. My uncle won it. Um, 
He won the Burt Bell. My uncle won that. I believe my uncle won it in 63. Um, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was 1963 he won that award. Jaws won that award too, by the way. Um, we're going to have him on 5.30 Eastern time too. So again, guys, I appreciate it. I'm sorry about the internet. We're having all kinds of issues with it today. It was actually off. I didn't even know if I was going to be able to do a show today too. So uh, Tone's working with me here. So thank you so much. Yeah, it was, uh, Yale, that was like, Yale, the Burt Bell Award is one of the very first awards that was given to players and it's an MVP award. And it was one of the most prestigious awards, okay, back in the day. Uh, Jim Brown won it in 63. Just tell me the year Robustelli won it. Maybe it was 60. I don't know. Maybe he won it in 60, the year Robustelli uh, won it, okay? Andy, um, Andy won it, I believe, in 60. 62. Thank you, Maniac. And I think Jaws won it in 80. I think Jaws won it in 80, if I'm not mistaken. So let's move on here. By the way, um, assistance of the year. D'Amico Ryans, D coordinator. San Francisco. So the head coach is up for the coach of the year, and the D coordinator is up for the assistant coach of the year award. What staff do you favor going into that NFC title game on Sunday? High school Nick? Or Kyle Shanahan's guys. High school Nick versus Kyle and the pros. 62, thank you, Paul. And Ben Johnson. I think Ben's going to get an opportunity to be a coach somewhere um, in the NFL. He's the offensive coordinator of the uh, Detroit Lions. They got some great things. I'll tell you this, man. They got some really great things going on in Detroit. And Shane Steichen. That's right. Scott and Shane Steichen. You got Steichen, D'Amico Ryans, and Ben Johnson are finalists for the Assistant Coach of the Year Award. Um, give, let, let, let's go here. And then I'm going to get into my top 10. Who's done the best job as coordinators on this team? Gannon or Steichen? Seals, AJ or Debo? By this much, AJ. By that much. How about this? And I said this yesterday, and I think, Tone, you agreed. My opinion, I think Debo Samuel is the better player. AJ's the better receiver. Okay? He's, he's the better receiver. Debo does so much stuff, though, man. I mean... They don't, and, and, and again, I don't know if AJ can't do that too. It's just that the Eagles don't ask him to. Okay. Seals, who you got Sunday? I got the Eagles. I got the Eagles winning Sunday. I, hey, the, hey, Tone, was that you that was talking about the draft from 2017? It was th that the draft they went in? DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, and AJ Brown all went in the second round greatest wide receiver second round has to be in pro football history history has to be has to be has to be the greatest wide receiver draft 
of all time. Yes, sir. Also, I was looking up the numbers today for both of them. And when it comes to a total yards from scrimmage and total touchdowns, A.J. Edge is out, Debo. And again, this is probably why I say, and, and you know what? Outside of this year, A.J. really didn't have a lot of numbers. They were pedestrian in Tennessee. But when you have pedestrian numbers in Tennessee, when you got Derrick Henry in the building, there probably should have been accentuated more. I don't think he ever had over 68 catches when he was in Tennessee. Um, he, he They weren't eye-numbing numbers. I think he had one year where he had 11 touchdowns or something like that. But outside of that, they were not mind-numbing numbers in Tennessee. They just weren't. Samuels had had all in, all numbers in San Francisco. Yes, last year he was 1,400 yards, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, who's done a better job assistant coach-wise this year for this team? Gannon? And watch this. You're probably going to be shocked when I say this. Gannon figured out Hassan Reddick. Gannon figured out Hassan. He figured him out. That's got to say something. Two teams prior couldn't figure him out. Arizona and Carolina. They couldn't figure him out. Okay. Yeah, Yale, they both have talent on both sides. The talent, the, the, the talent on defense, though, I don't think is the talent on offense. See, to me, Shane Steichen's not, I don't look at him as a good coordinator. I look at him as a good orchestrator. And follow me when I say this. He's not making the play calls out there. Jalen is. How is that an offensive coordinator? Now, He's got great trust in Jalen to make the right decision. Jalen's the decision maker in this process, not the, co- not the coordinator. The coordinator showed us who he was when he handed the playbook to Gardner Minshew. And he handed the same playbook, the running RPOs in the New Orleans game. And we were all going like this. What? What are you talking about? Why would you do that? That, See, that's why I have a problem with Shane's offensive approach. He's relying on his quarterback. Now, that could be why you're seeing a lot of these millennial guys getting these head coaching jobs. And you're not seeing guys like Eric Bieniemy anymore. And these personality guys get these jobs because they're tailor-making. Look, follow me here. Because I want to give Shane all the kudos I can possibly here, okay? Maybe this is the new wave of coaching. Shane Steichen looks at the – I didn't really think about it until right now, but you, you tell me if you agree or disagree because maybe I'm looking at Shane and Gannon from a different context here. And I'm looking too old school on it, okay? Steichen's going to look at the personnel he has around him. This is why Sirianni handed the play calling to him because Shane created an offensive attack based on Jalen's decision-making. Is that fair? He's not going to call plays. He's going to call plays that are designed for the strength of Jalen Hurts 
and his decision-making. Would we not agree one of the greatest assets that Jalen Hurts has is his decision-making? And here's something else to think about in, in, in San Francisco. Kyle tells Brock Purdy where to throw the ball. Now, the skill set of the player has to execute the play. But Kyle has a designed play. He has more guardrails. And Kyle, like his father, has a set of guardrails for his quarterbacks all the way back to Elway. This is what made Elway a great player is because when he went from Dan Reeves to Kyle Shanahan, he, he kept Elway more in a, in a box. And that's why he started winning, because they started creating a running attack around him. And once they started creating a running attack around Elway, they won. Okay? They won. I think the biggest asset, besides the skill set of the player in Jalen Hurts, is that his decision-making, and here, follow me when I say this to you on his decision-making. The lack of turnovers, you know, I, 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 I probably should have went down this way and I probably should have went, been saying this earlier. It wasn't important how many touchdown passes Jalen Hurts had. It was more important for this offense this year not to have a boatload of turnovers. And that's why they've won all these games. They didn't win these games because Jalen threw for a ton of yards. Look at the last game, 154 yards, very pedestrian. But they didn't turn the ball over. They're 10 of 13 on third down. They play mistake-free football. That's why I say sometimes it's boring, okay, because it's mistake-free. You're not going to see gaudy numbers. Jalen Hurts doesn't put up gaudy numbers. He puts up a collective number, and we all look at it and go, 175 yards or 100 yards rushing, 250 yards passing. All together, man, it's impressive. But they're not gaudy numbers. Look, look at it. Like, if you looked at his box line this year, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, 3,700 yards, 400 and some odd yards, or 400 and some odd attempts, it's not gaudy. Like we see some of these other guys. But as a collective decision-making, see, what I'm trying to say is his yards matter more than Kirk Cousins' numbers because they're all meaningful. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Full yards. They're all meaningful yards because they dominate teams and win ball games. It's a pretty... I got to tell you, man, these coordinators really trust him. Okay? Yeah, but Yale, Andy, Andy puts Mahomes in a position to succeed. Andy's the best play-calling head coach. I'm trying to think if there is a better play-calling head coach in NFL history. I'm trying to think. 
Bill Walsh. Here's who Andy Reid is. Bill Walsh. Um, Bradshaw called his own plays. Landry called Stallback's plays. Turner called Aikman's plays. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a head coach that has been a better play caller than Andy. Now we can all debate his 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 clock management. His clock management and shit is to be desired. I'm talking Andy Reid. Bill Belichick is not a play calling, offensive play calling head coach. He's not. He doesn't call plays. Um, Scott says, so does Shane Cilio, do you think Hurts plays to his strengths? They take organizations and football intelligence. I think that's exactly what has gone on here. The more they realized how smart Jalen was and how great his decision-making was, the more confidence they had in giving him the ability to go on with the play or off with the play. Those RPOs, man, are not designed from the sidelines. That's Jalen with quick – dude, his reaction time on figuring out whether or not the RPO is going to work, whether you hand it off or take it or throw it, it's exceptional. Yeah, it's boring. Yeah, it's boring. It's boring. I don't care what you say, vet. It's boring. Patriot, Steichen has done a great job with Jalen. He has. He has – you know what, too, Patriot? Do you know what probably one of the coolest things is? He gets out of the way. They stay out of the way. Like, there's not bitching, and there's some of it, but there's not, like, throwing. Um, there's not, like, throwing. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Trexler. Fox don't think shit of you. Okay? They always put the Cowboys and Niners on in prime time. They had you on a Saturday night. They put that Cowboy 49er game on on primetime Sunday night. Dude, they were running promos the last week of the season. Cowboys are fighting for the NFC East. I went like this. Really? All they got to do is beat the Eagles. I mean, all they got to do is beat the Giants and it's over. What what are the Cowboys fighting for? Cowboys? (laughs) I was like, so Fox is running promos, selling bullshit that the that the uh, Cowboys still had a shot at winning the NFC East in the last game of the season against Washington. I was like, this. When did that happen? Eagles aren't losing to New York, <laughs> but in Fox's eyes, they had to put a good promo up. That was the national game. It wasn't the Eagles and Giants. It was Washington and Dallas. That was the national game. But I don't give a shit about Fox. Dude, that's why they think you're boring. You missed the whole thing. I'm in Philly, man. We ain't doing any man. Dude, maniac. I get it. You got a 14-win team, and you're airing the Cowboys, and you know they were going to get beat by the Niners. Well, and, and everyone's like this. Well, they had a chance to beat San Francisco. No, they didn't. Because cowboy people, 
do cowboy things. Okay? It's the they like I told you before, they should be called the Dallas Chernobyls. There's always a nuclear meltdown. They had a chance. Two, two passes and interceptions in the end zone. Really? Very cowboy-like. Okay? <laughs> Very cowboy-like. They had no chance of beating San Francisco. Why? Because they're the Dallas Chernobyls. <laughs> the, Dallas had every chance. No, they didn't. Next year will be 28 years. Then the year after that will be 29 years. Then it'll be 30 years. Do you know the Cowboys have the longest run for a team making the playoffs not to get to an NFC championship game of any team in NFL history? It's been almost 30 years. (laughs) Hey, this is not America's team. May I, hey, Tone, may I please say what the Cowboys are? The Cowboys are not America's team. The Cowboys are America's tees. Okay? Just remember that. They're America's tees. They tease their fans, and they tease football fans. That's who they are. America's tees. (laughs) Very entertaining, though. Very entertaining. Why are we talking about Dallas? <laughs> because I felt like it. All right, let's move on again and go to the top 10. Eagles, Bengals, 49ers, Chiefs. The top 10 teams with the final four, here they are. By the way, don't forget Ron Jaworski will be with us 5.30 Eastern time, okay? Newsflash, we're Philly and nobody likes us and we don't care. Newsflash, Joseph. I'm Big Sills, nobody likes me and I don't give a shit. Gee, sounds like we are fit for one another. Joseph, do you understand what you just said? That's why you love big sales. Okay? Right there, Joseph. You finally have cracked the Da Vinci Code. Newsflash, Joseph. I'm big sales. Nobody likes me, and I don't give a shit. This is why you like me, Joseph. <laughs> man, boy, I'll tell you, man, Philadelphia's got some great fans. San Francisco's got I'm, I'll tell you this, that San Francisco fan base, man, is pretty strong. Here are my favorite fan bases. Buffalo, Chicago, San Francisco, Philadelphia. Um... Packer fans are kind of weird. It's kind of weird. I don't know. It's like weird. Steeler fans are great. Okay, they're 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 maniacs themselves. Nothing out of LA. 
I would say this, San Francisco's probably the best fan base. Denver has a good fan base. The Bronco country guys are pretty cool. Kansas City, too. Kansas City's got some great fans. That's why I said when I opened the show, you got, you got the conference championship games in Philadelphia and Kansas City. Dude, you can't have better cities, in my opinion, hosting conference title games. Love you, too, Cody. Thank you, man. That's cool. Okay. Cal, look at Cal. Packer fans eat chili spaghetti. What? <laughs> chili spaghetti. I'm out. <laughs> hey, that's like my um, my wife's mom. She said that she makes the greatest meatballs on the planet and spaghetti. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm out. No, it's not going to work. She's a white chick. And so like, right. And so she's like, she's like, oh, I make the greatest spaghetti. And I, I looked at Kim and I go, Kim, your mom's a white chick. She's not Italian. Okay. <laughs> she's a white, white chicks don't make good spaghetti. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> my wife, my girlfriend at the time, she's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not a white guy. I'm an Italian guy. Okay. There's a difference, Junior. Okay. Italians ain't white guys. We're Italians. <laughs> oh, we're white Italian. There ain't no such thing, dog. Read a book. <laughs> I'm not a white guy. I'm an Italian guy. Yeah, Brandon, you keep telling yourself that. You obviously don't know Italians, okay? You obviously don't know us. <laughs> My Italian wife agreed. <laughs> white chicks don't make good spaghetti. I've never been in a white chick's house that made good spaghetti. You have to be an Italian. I would never eat. Meatballs or spaghetti sauce at a restaurant or out anywhere outside of my aunt and my wife. Okay. Like I got a French aunt named France said, who's lovely. My aunt's watching this. I never eat her spaghetti sauce <laughs> and I love her. <laughs> Bruce, you're a Mexican guy. I'll tell you what, man, big sills likes Mexican, Cuban, Italian, Chinese. Okay. It's seafood, obviously, number one. Yeah. Love. I hey, get this. You're Mexican. I never ate Mexican food until I met my wife when I met her in Dallas. I never ate Mexican food. I love it. Man. I love it. It's great. I, I love Cuban food though, too, man. Being down in Miami. All them years. Big Seals, what's your favorite Chinese food? General so. Um, I like lobster sauce with like, um, I like lobster sauce over some fried rice, shrimp. Um, I love squid. I'm a big squid eater. Um, I love squid. I love anything seafood. Who has a bigger impact in a game, Seals? Boza or... Or Reddick. I bet it'll be Reddick. Two less sacks, but three more. 
Who's Reddick? You think they're going to put Reddick? Will they put Reddick over Trent Williams? And will they put Boza over Lane? That might nullify both pass rushers. Oh my! Oh my God, Cody! I have my wife got pupusas. I've tried them. Excellent. 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 Um, won't that nullify? And if that's the case, that's fa- that favors Philly. In my opinion, that favors Philly. Because if you nullify Nick, 49ers don't really have pass rushers down the line like the Eagles do. The Eagles have four guys over 10 sacks. I think that favors Philly. That's why I think San Francisco's got to move him around more, man. I don't think you can line him up. You line him up over Lane and nullify him? Dude, you don't have enough pass rushers in that defense. Vet goes, Boza hasn't done anything. Well, they did play a decent team. You played a shitbox Giants team. So before you start waving a flag for Hassan Reddick, let's see what he does in the 49er game. The Giants and the Bucks should not have been in the playoffs. They were terrible teams. Seattle was better. Okay? Seattle was better. Okay? Seattle was better. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. Don't forget, and I'm I'm going to go through the top 10 teams. Okay? I'm going to go through the top 10 teams. And we will do that. Also, Jaws is going to join me um, at 5.30 Eastern time. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. 
Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. National Football Show. Ron Jaworski will join us at 5.30 Eastern time in hour number three. Appreciate everybody coming aboard. I wrote down the top 10 players that are left in the conference championship games. And I look at these 10 guys, and to me, these are the 10 best players that are left playing right now. I got number 10. I got A.J. Brown. I mean, I have to hit this. Steve-O, what about the sisters? My folks makes almost just as good a gravy and sauce. Hertz reminds me of Manning in regards to play calling. All off the RPO concepts. I do agree with you about if he can't hold up for a long time. I like everything you said, Steve-O. I like everything you said. Okay, Steve-O, Big Sills comes to Philly. I might have to try your stuff. All right? Manning, conceptually, what you're saying, a student of the game, Brady too. Oh, I think he's – I think he has Tom Brady smarts. I think Jalen is a absolute – Smart player. And I'll tell you something else that I think he does exceptionally well. He processes the information so quickly. And he processes it differently. Look, when a, when a drop back guy's processing and he's back and he's going through his reads, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what, um, I'll tell you what 
uh, Bill Walsh told me. He said the great quarterbacks are these guys. They get back. They get the intel. They see where the safety is. They see where they are on the field. Strong side, weak side, right hash, left hash, middle of the field. Do I have to manage half the field? Do I manage quarter of the field? Are we minus 20, plus 20? Where are we on the 35, 39? All of that stuff is in kind of like a funnel. And that quarterback has kind of funneled that down to what play and where to throw the ball. What made Brady so great is that Brady already conceptually had an idea where he was going to throw the ball. He already knew Jalen doesn't have that affordability. Think about what Jalen has to do. It's quicker of a process. And it, it there's I think there's more to failure in Jalen's process than in Brady's process. However, when you're a dropback quarterback, you're dealing with high percentage turnover plays. There's higher percentage of turnovers with dropback versus Jalen style. That's why they didn't turn the ball over. They don't believe in the in the concept with his skill set to sit him back there and throw the ball 700 times. Why would they do that? That's not his skill. Okay? Charles goes, Dan, you're so right. How many guys can call their own plays? Jalen calls his own plays. That's right. Charles, do you know how few and far between Brady doesn't call his own plays? No, Brady puts the game plan together with Byron Leftwich or with the guys he had up in New England. Same thing with Tom Moore and Peyton Manning. But Jalen calls his own plays in game. In the sequence of the play, he comes to the line of scrimmage. Here's what his difference is to say a guy like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's already looking for the strong safety. Jalen's not looking for the strong safety unless there's a design play. Remember what they tell him? Dung's not open, take off and run. He does. But the problem, though, with the, with the sequence of plays that they have him doing, I want to see that me and Tone were talking about this. So he was on pace with 200 carries. I thought that number was supposed to go down. That number went up. And you know what that means to me? A lot of the calls that came in weren't going to work. Jalen corrected it on the fly. He corrected bad play calling. That's on him. Seriously, Shane Steichen needs a player like Shane Steichen needs a player like Kyler Murray. Now, now, I'll tell you this: Shane Steichen in Arizona makes sense. That makes sense to me. Makes a ton of sense. Why does that make a ton of sense? Well, you're looking at a guy with almost the same kind of skill set as Jalen Hurts. So that makes sense. But see, Kyler Murray, in my opinion, one is not as smart as Jalen. And secondly, I don't think he trusts anybody. But Shane Steichen to Carolina, you know what will happen? David Tepper, the owner, will want to drop back quarterback down there unless they get a guy like Lamar Jackson to convince to go there. And if they don't get that kind of guy and they put a drop back quarterback with Shane Steichen, in my opinion, Nick Sirianni, the reason he handed over the play calling to Steichen because Steichen dealt with RPOs more. Remember something in Indianapolis. 
They had Jacoby Brissett up there. They won some games with Jacoby Brissett. Steichen was putting a lot of the offensive game plans for Frank Reich together. I think Frank Reich should get that Carolina job. Because Frank is the guy who taught Nick, taught Shane, and everyone on your coaching staff offensively. Do you understand that? Frank Reich not only brought you the 2017 Super Bowl, but he also brought you coaches that were from his coaching tree. Frank Reich may be responsible, again, for you winning another Super Bowl. These are all his philosophies. Okay? All his philosophies. Those are his coaches. Nick Sirianni was the wide receiver coach in San Diego when Frank Reich was the OC under Mike McCoy, when Mike McCoy was the head coach with the Chargers. Okay? I agree, Ray. <laughs> Ray's like, this dude should go play golf for the next three years. Damn right, he's making $9 million annually. I hear he's got a, um, another interview, though. On Is it Friday? What did Frank say? He's got a second interview. I think it's Friday in Carolina with David Tepper. So maybe he gets that job. Okay. 85 goes, hey, Dan, can you break down Josh Sweat's year so far? He worked the money so far. He's convinced me, 85, he's a three-down guy. I didn't think he was. I didn't think he was. He's rounding into a fine ball player. Okay? He, he is. He's rounding into a fine ball player. He played the run. He gets pressure. He's a TFL kind of guy. He sets the edge exceptionally well, keeps his outside arm free. Um, he's got a great motor. Um, he's in condition all the time, and he's getting better. He, he progressed. And I would say this to you, of all the players on defense, was he the guy that improved the most? Probably. TJ, TJ got exposed a little bit this year for me. Not very good covering tight ends and backs. But Josh Sweat got better. Um, he's tough. Um, he, he's, he's a good football player. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that he's a guy of the future for that team, that he could play there for them for the next five, six years. Barring any kind of serious injury, Josh Sweat's a keeper. Got better, competitive. Um, he's got great hands. Gets guys off him well, you know, slaps. Gets around the corner, leans well. He runs the hula hoop. He's a pretty good ball player, man. Was he a Florida State guy? Is he? Is he? An, is, is Josh Sweat an FSU guy? Is he an FSU dude? Uh, it makes sense. Those FSU guys they they produce edge rushers, and um, they do a nice job uh, at teaching those guys to lean. And I didn't think. Hey, by the way, Josh Sweat at the beginning of the year. I didn't really see it, but I do now. I see what they see in him. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the other guy, Hardgrave. Um, he picked his game up probably from the Pittsburgh game. 
I thought he was okay in the first half of the season. But I think from the Pittsburgh game, I think he had two sacks in that game. And from the Pittsburgh game on in, I, I, I think Javon Hardgrave convinced me that the $53 million three-year contract that they're offering him, that's what's being reported. Um, I would keep him. And I would pay him north of 15. He's worth it. 11 sacks. Um, he was a force in the giant game. I thought they could not get anything going. He outplayed Dexter Lawrence. If you were to put, if you were to put the two players game film next to one another and how Dexter Lawrence played and then how Javon Hardgrave played, in my opinion, now Lawrence is going to best much better players with the filio line, but um, Javon Hardgrave outplayed him. And to me, Javon Hardgrave's a keeper too. I bring him back. And what I would do with Fletcher, um, what I would do with what I would do with Fletcher, I would offer Fletcher. This could be a hard pitch for him, though. You know, 14-4. You might want to come down to seven. Okay. I think Fletcher picked his game up in the second half of the season. Each play Jalen runs like five options, Dano, and Ryan Clark broke it down. He does. CD. He's a tremendous his 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 intelligence is on display every game. You, can I tell you one of my favorite, one of my favorite things that he does that makes me like him a lot? What I love about Jalen, and do me a favor, keep an eye on this. Keep an eye on this during the conference title games. If Jalen Hurts is running to the sidelines and it he feels is going to be a minus play, He'll throw the ball out of bounds. He doesn't care about statistics. I believe this guy cares only about winning. That's a prime example of that. How many times do you see quarterbacks taking losses, run out of bounds, turn up? It's minus two. How many plays have you seen this year? Guys, watch this. How many plays have you seen this year where Jalen Hurts had a minus yardage play? 10? Maybe? I could tune on a game or turn on a football game. I can watch every single player that plays a premium position have a minus play somewhere in the game. He doesn't. Okay? He doesn't. Okay? Alex says, I saw Cam Newton not dive in for a fumble. Big Sills, he's the opposite of Hurts. You know what, though, Alex? I always said this about Cam. Cam was the sacrificial lamb. They didn't know how, just like, you know, you know they didn't know how to referee Shaq. You know, that hack-a-shack thing was obnoxious to watch. After a while, you didn't want to watch Shaquille O'Neal games because that's all they did. And the referees let everybody just get away with it because it was so obnoxious. He was so overpowering. And Shaq took a beating, man. And watching a Shaquille O'Neal game in the second half of his career was terrible because the refs let it go on and they never really legislated it right. Well, they never legislate Cam Newton right. He took ungodly hits. 
And I think the referees, you ain't hitting Brady like that. He Brady takes off running. You're not hitting Tom Brady like that. But you could lay out Cam Newton. And I thought it took its effect on him. And in my opinion, I personally think that they the NFL beat him up and beat him out of the league because they didn't know how to ref him. Okay? Cam was an MVP. Now, let's not forget, I voted for him for the Heisman. I'm a Cam Newton guy. I think he got shafted at Florida by Urban Liar. Okay? I, I'm a Cam. I, I like Cam. Cam's, Cam's a fun guy to talk to, man. I really like him. Lane Johnson, Jordan versus Nick Boza. Who wins, Dan? Again, Miguel, the problem that I have with what everyone wants to see, I'd love to see Lane versus Boza too, but why? If I'm the Niners, I'm not putting strength versus strength. I'm putting strength versus weakness. I'm going to put my lesser pass rusher. Because, now look, if the 49ers had pass rushers like the Eagles, Eagles have four of these guys. They don't. They don't have the talent as a pass rushing unit. They're good against the run, though. Okay? But why would I put my number one guy and take him out of the game um, if... Lane's styming him. That's a win for Lane. You, here, let me show you this. Watch this, guys. Miguel, watch this. If Lane grabs a hold of Nick Boza and Nick Boza runs him over, okay, runs Lane Johnson over, and he's laying on his back, who wins that in your eyes? Who, who won that? Who do you think won that? Say Boza runs him over. Lane's got him. He's on the ground. Who do you think wins that? Lane won it. Because he didn't get to the quarterback. Lane Johnson's job, the only thing he has to do is stop him. He don't have to look good doing it. Lane wins that. Why would I have that? All right, I got to take a timeout because Jaws is coming up at 5.30 Eastern. Let me take a timeout, and I promise I'll get to the top 10 players. We'll do that all next. Ron Jaworski is going to join us from NFL Films at the bottom of the hour. You also see him on NBC in Philadelphia doing a post-game show. We appreciate him coming on. That'll be at 5.30 Eastern. Keep it here on the National Football Show. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your social security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game. Now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Big Sills. Ron Jaworski will join us at 5.30 Eastern time. We appreciate you coming aboard with us. Look, once again, if you guys think Brock Purdy's going to fall on his face in Philadelphia, that's pipe dream thinking. Okay? You need to game plan this guy. Like he's going to win this ball game. You keep thinking he's going to turn into a pumpkin? That's not a strategy. That's hope and wishing. Somehow you win conference title games. If you think he's going to suck come Sunday just because he's walking into Philadelphia, you're out of your tree, man. You're out of your tree. He's already played a monster playoff game that everyone was thinking the Cowboys had a shot of beating him, but the Cowboys never had a shot of beating him. They're the Dallas Chernobyls. Will always be the Dallas Chernobyls as long as Jerry Jones sticks his face into the locker room and into the personnel department. Jerry Jones is not a football man. He thinks he is. Have you ever seen a guy, more so not a football man, constantly undermine his football team more? At least Steinbrenner won. And the only thing that's, you you know what's crazy? You know what's really great about the Eagles compared to the Cowboy organization? 
The best moments for the Cowboys under the Jerry Jones regime is in the rearview mirror. That's why we keep bringing up Jimmy Johnson. Jerry Jones makes Jimmy Johnson relevant every day. Why? Because he hasn't been able to turn the page and get out of the way like he did early in his career. What's crazy is Jerry thinks he's doing all the right things. And he forgets he wasn't involved in anything early. Okay? Every organization, Eagles included, has their cross to bear, so to speak. Like with Howie, it's this. Well, at the end of the day, Howie doesn't like anybody sticking their beak in the personnel department. But Howie could stick his beak into the coaching room. Why? Because he's got complete control of the organization. So every, every, but one thing he is smart on, he is going to put people in a position to succeed. I'm talking Howie. The Eagles have been by far 2000. They have been by far the most successful team in the NFC East by far. Purdy's never been in a big game. Neither has Jalen Hurts. Neither has Jalen Hurts been in a big game. If you're going to try to tell me that Jalen Hurts' biggest game is the Giant game, Purdy's been in just as big a game. Okay? And he's got two playoff wins. So don't sit there and tell me Purdy's never been in a big game. Neither has Jalen. Neither has Jalen. Okay? He hasn't either. Jalen at home? That's why I'm picking you, vet. Playoffs last year. You're right. He's 1-1. One one. Purdy's 2-0. and oh. Okay? Dak was awful for San Francisco. What did you expect? Him to be um, like he was against that shitbag Bucks team. Bucks and the Giants should never have been in the playoffs. They were not playoff worthy teams. <laughs> Look at Joseph. I hope Jerry never retires. McCarthy stays there as the head coach and Dax it. Well, you don't want Dak in there because he owns the Eagles. Okay. He never won a national championship, Jalen Hurts. He was destroyed by Joe Burrow in the semifinals. People, he did not win a title at Alabama. He was on the bench for one. Tua won it. Purdy has to play Mr. Brady. I don't think so. I think Purdy just said, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, you're right, real. You're right. He can't turn the ball over. Okay, you're right. He can't turn the ball over. Dan, can you please ask how to stop Warner? Um, Listen, 85, I think you're going to have a tough one. For I, I think they're going to have a tough one trying to cover Goddard. I think Dallas Goddard's going to be a, a handful for them. I really do. I think, I, I think he's going to be a handful. If the Eagles secure a second Super Bowl during the Dak Prescott era, is that a huge failure for Jerry Jones and the Cowboys? Are you kidding me? That's a knife in the heart. 
if the Giants have won two Super Bowls since 2000 and the Eagles have won two Super Bowls and the Cowboys haven't made it to an NFC title game, you bet your ass that's a failure. Epic proportion. Two teams since 2000. Um, two teams, Giants and Eagles have two Super Bowl wins. And Eagles have been to three Super Bowls. I don't know, man. I mean, not good. Not good. Um, and the Giants are getting back. That's right, Yale. And the Giants are getting back to being a team that, you know, they're going to – like, like, like here's, here's what I'd say to you. If they get DeAndre Hopkins in New York for Daniel Jones, see, I think one thing that is going to become copycat, look out for DeAndre Hopkins landing in Baltimore with Lamar or in Chicago with Justin Fields or in New York with Daniel Jones. Because I think what Howie has shown, and maybe this started with Dak when they got Amari Cooper for him, but it showed more with the RPO guy. And when Jalen got AJ, it, it, changed, it was a facelift to the offense. And I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think you're going to see big-time wide receivers, especially with contracts with rookies. Daniel Jones. You know, I, I saw Daniel Jones now. The Giants want to get him and move him as part of the future. Well, what are you going to, what's that going to cost you? Are you going to franchise tag him at 46 million bucks? Is there going to be a lesser of a deal? Um, I don't know if DeAndre has no trade clause. Okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he has a no trade clause, by the way, we, um, a little bit of the internet here. Hopefully, again, it strains itself out. We got, we're expecting Jaws to join us at the bottom of the hour here, too. So having a little internet issues here a little bit. So we appreciate it. Cowboys, I think personally, I said this in this past offseason, I think things are going to be worse next year, not better. They're going to be worse. The reason they'll be worse is because Jerry still thinks because Zeke Elliott's his guy that he has anything in the tank. He runs with a brace. He's got no speed any longer. Um, I, I, I don't see anyone on the other side of CD. Their tight end's decent. They're getting older in the O-line. You know, I don't know. I don't see where they're going to get better. I don't. I, don't I, I just don't see where they're going to get better. I think the Cowboys are going to walk back the other way. And I think the teams that are getting better are Giants and, of course, the Eagles, too. Now, it's all going to depend on what they do at the quarterback position and how much they're going to pay Jalen, who leaves, um, who's going to be coming back. In my opinion, Joshua, Dallas has to move on from Dak. Now, in a trade, Tennessee, you trade him to Houston, they've got assets. They need draft choices to get some players on rookie deals. They need to get players on rookie deals again and stop paying a high price for all these guys. DeAndre Hopkins has a no trade clause. Well, then it'll come down to this. Who does he want to play for? Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, or Justin Fields? Now, would the Jets see to me, 
there's conversation that Aaron Rodgers would go to New York and DeAndre Hopkins would follow. And would DeAndre Hopkins go to the Jets? If you put DeAndre Hopkins on the Jets, along with Aaron Rodgers, they could be in the conference championship game. They could be, with the talent they have on defense, the Jets could be in the conference championship game. Um, but just, just to show you on building a roster, look at the NFC title game. Do you know you're not paying combined, the two quarterbacks, more than $3 million? Brock Purdy, like watch this. Let me show you something here. You may never see this again as long as you live. You, you may never see this as long as you live. What's the base salary for Brock Purdy in 2022? According to Real Estate U, as evidenced by the information on Indeed.com, the average annual base salary of a real estate agent. How much does Brock Purdy make in 2022? According to BetMGM, Brock Purdy was selected 262nd overall by the 49ers in the 2022 draft. He signed a four-year deal at 3.7, which means he makes 900 grand. Jalen Hurts makes 1.3 million. You got two quarterbacks that make under 2.5 million dollars combined. I know, right? Real estate agent. I- Brock Purdy makes $970,000 a year. And Jalen makes $1.3. You're never going to see that. And that's why the two best teams are in the NFC championship game. Because they're the most complete. Because they can build and continue to build. When you start paying that quarterback, it rips your team apart. Okay, it totally rips your team apart. And you've got to be smart. That's why with the Cowboys, the Cowboys have all those guys on those veteran deals. The Eagles have, get this, the Eagles have all their guys on one-year deals or rookie deals, which means you can get out from them. They're not an anchor around your franchise. Jalen already beat Purdy. Every time somebody does that, I love doing this. Yeah, Purdy's got a better playoff record than Jalen. And he beat Dak, and you never. Yeah, yeah, the flexibility that – that see, Howie does it right. Keeps guys on rookie deals or first-year deals. He's not going to get tied into those Carson Wentz deals any longer. That's not going to work like that. That's why, look, this football team this year, dude, you got a lot of turnover coming. There's 16 free agents. Half those guys will be gone. That's going to be a different looking football team. You got to rely on Jordan Davis as well. That's a different team next year. The team you see, this 2022 team, may be the best roster you've ever had in a Super Bowl era. But it's only because you're not paying Donovan McNabb And it's because you're not paying Carson Wentz and you're not paying Jalen Hurts. See, you you had to pay, I should say, McNabb. You had to pay Wentz. Here, you don't. That's why the roster and 
That's why everybody keeps going like this. This is Howie's greatest creation. Well, because he had, like Yale said, he had the most flexibility that he's ever had. He's never had this flexibility. His quarterback is the 717th highest paid guy in the league. And the the other guy has to be one of the lowest paid guys. I don't know if you'll ever, you got one guy not making a million bucks and the other guy making just over a million bucks. And they're the starting quarterbacks in the conference championship. And one of those guys is an MVP candidate. That's How about this? One guy's going to win the rookie of the year in Purdy, and the other guy is in the top three for MVP. And they both don't make two million bucks combined. You're never going to see that. Look, look, look at look at over in the AFC. One guy makes $45 million and has a $500 million contract. And the other guy's in line for a $500 million contract. Okay? The AFC is driven by court. I'm going to tell, I'm going to ask Jaws this. The AFC is driven by, by court. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll say it one more time to you. The AFC is driven by quarterbacks. And I believe the NFC championship game, I think it's driven by rosters. And it's because of the pay and the quarterbacks. Brock Purdy making $900,000 this year and Jalen Hurts making 1.3. You'll never see that in your life ever again. Ever again, where you'll see that. And that's why the flexibility that Howie has and John Lynch has on being able to go get Christian McCaffrey, who makes $20 million. You're not signing a $20 million running back mid-season if you're paying your quarterback $45 million. Look at the Cowboys. They couldn't even sign Brandon Cooks. They went out to try to get Brandon Cooks. They couldn't do it because of cap issues. Cowboys are going to be worse next year. And that's why I always tell you this. Always remember, the Dallas Cowboys, their nickname in the postseason are the Dallas Chernobyls. That's who they are. Let's bring in our friend, Ron Jaworski now. I mean, Ron, I, I don't know if you'll ever see this in your life again. you got two quarterbacks. I mean, am I right when I say this, Ron, that the AFC is driven more by the quarterback and the NFC championship game is driven by great rosters? Yeah, first of all, great to be with you, Dan. And it's, it, 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 it's hard not to agree with you. I mean, what I found really surprising when you look when we were down to the eight teams, you know, how many young quarterbacks there were. And it certainly gives teams the availability to pay other players until these guys absolutely hit their big contract. That's when, you know, things seem to change. But as I look at it, there's there's kind of a, a real changing of the guard at the quarterback position and how the quarterback position is now played. Um and you've seen it through the high school level, the college level, and it's now leaking into the pros. And as I study the position, go back to the seven-on-seven teams in the Midwest and the you know Texas and Oklahoma, where they were developing quarterbacks that could throw the football eight or ten years ago. You're seeing them now get to the pros. The ability to throw the football and run. You, you see the offenses now integrating the, the RPOs, the run-pass options, the zone reads. Quarterbacks not afraid to run the football. Now, we don't know where that's going to end up. Because you know in the National Football League, Dan, and, and you put you know you played the position where you hit where you hit people, right? And you didn't lay them down gently and say, I'll be back in 30 seconds. That you want to bend their face mask, you want to puncture their lung. That's just the theory of the game, the way the game is played. So I don't know how long these players 
will last as running quarterbacks. See, that's – Ron, I'm so glad you say that because I don't think it's sustainable. And I mean the guy in Buffalo, too. If they don't straighten that out in Buffalo, he's the next Andrew Luck as well. I mean, you can't run reckless with the ball. I do think the guy in Philly's smarter, though. He 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 really is showing how smart he is and how he runs the RPO. He may run the RPO, Ron, better than any quarterback I've ever seen run in the NFL because of his decision-making. As you know, when you're a dropback guy, you're reading progressions. This guy's got to have even a shorter window at reading whether he sees a guy coming up where he hands it off, he keeps it, he throws it. He's more of a play caller than even the offensive coordinator. But my problem comes down to this, RG3, Kyler Murray, um, Lamar Jackson, even Jalen. These guys are going to miss time, Ron. Can you build the championship team around a guy who you know is not going to be there every single Sunday? Can you build a title team around that and pay the guy $50 million? Yeah, you can, but it's not sustainable. And, and I think what we saw with, you know, with Kyler Murray, the injury, with Lamar Jackson, the injury, uh, you know, you, Deshaun Watson, his situation, you pay these guys $50 million a year, and they say a Kyler Murray, he's not going to be back next season. So now, you, now you, you, you've, you've impacted your entire team because you can't pay other players you got a quarterback that's out for the season, and you got you're paying a quarterback you probably uh, like a nine hundred thousand dollar, you know Brock Purdy type guy to, to play the position. But you're you know you're not the 49ers with a team built in in place, so it's very difficult to have a quarterback. You give all that money, and I think teams are going to learn from that. It's going to be interesting to how just to me to see how the Eagles handle Jalen Hurts because he he is a running quarterback, and he he's, he got hurt last year in the, in the playoffs before the playoffs. He wasn't sharp in the playoff game against Tampa Bay. He's been hurt this year. Now, hope, hopefully he can stay healthy because you never want to see anyone get hurt. And you just want to see their performance at their best in the playoffs. But there's no guarantee. He was not the same guy against the Giants. You know, he ran the football, but he was sliding, which I, which, hey, which I think is a great thing for a quarterback to do. But he is, as, and you said it, Dan, he is phenomenal at running those RPOs and the zone read. He really is. And they are, you know, when you watch on TV, you think they're really easy. <laughs> they are very, very, very difficult to execute. You are reading linemen, and then you got to read downfield because you're going to have a slant behind you or a dig behind. You. So, with in in milliseconds, you have to determine: Do you give the ball to the running back? Do you pull it out? Do you read the corner coming off or in the corner cat or end crashing down and pull it and go outside, or do you pull it out and throw a quick pop pass? That happens so quickly, and there are very, very few quarterbacks, if any, that do it as well as Jalen Hurts. I think so. If it ain't broke, don't fix it unless you get hurt. Ron, I think the game, the NFC title game, I think this is going to come down. And, boy, I'll tell you something. The emergence of the tight end over the last 15 years in the NFL, in my opinion, man, these guys, I mean, you look, look, let's look at the conference title games. you got three of the top five tight ends. Dan, our- I'm going to interrupt you a second. You're not allowed to call them tight ends anymore. Okay, what they- are they? They are receivers. Receivers. Oh, that's right. They want to get paid like wideouts. That's right. Tight ends don't get paid. Receivers do. (laughs) That's right. They want to get paid. Thank you, Jimmy Graham. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but but Ron, I think the key is going to be Goddard versus Warner and Kittle versus the linebackers that I think TJ Edwards struggles. I think Kaiser White has struggled when it comes to covering backs and tight ends this year. And there's been a hole in the middle. And I wrote this down, Ron, from week 11 on. 
Matt Ryan, 77% completion percentage. Um, Andy Dalton had 88%. Dak had 77%. There's a hole in the middle of that Jonathan Gannon defense. And if you've got a skill set tied in, like both teams do, you establish both those guys, it's going to come down to what team I think stops the run, in my opinion. Eagles are 16th. The Niners are better, I think, interior. They don't have the pass rushers, the Eagles. But, boy, man, this is going to come down to one key player. Who do you think that player is? Yeah, yeah Dan, I, I, I can't argue with what you said. You look at both of these teams. Uh, there are, This is the matchup you want. You want the you want the NFC title on the line with the two best teams. These are clearly the two best teams. When you get in big playoff games, two things I always look to. Number one, turnovers will determine who wins or loses the game. It, 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 it could be a fluke batted ball. It could be a guy drops the ball. It, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be a turnover that decides this game. Or the quarterbacks. And those are kind of the two ways I look at it. And, my God, Purdy has played just unbelievable. I, I am so blown away because, I, you know, I played 17 years that position. I know how hard it is. And to come in as a rookie and play the way he's playing. And as I was watching early in the season when he got the job, when Jimmy went down, you know, I'm kind of watching Red Tube and watching him play and see how they're doing and not really, really, you know, focusing on him. I figured, well, you know, it'll take a little while before he gets benched or something happens to him. <laughs> Josh Johnson will be the quarterback. You know, just didn't really know how it was going to play out. But then I started watching his tape because, I, you know, I, I every Monday morning I get all the game tapes downloaded at, at my house. And I start watching him play. And I'm going, this is not a 23-year-old rookie quarterback in his first few games. There was a certain savvy element to his game. And, and I, you know, I, I'm not going to blow smoke at you. It was Joe Montana-like to me. Wow. And, you know, I, I played against Joe, and I saw Joe in those formative years, and I, I spent a lot of time watching Joe. Joe didn't wouldn't blow you away with his physical skills, his arm and mobility and all that, but he understood how to play the quarterback position. It's all about processing information quickly. Just like we talked about RPOs. They look easy. They're hard. Playing quarterback sometimes looks easy. It's hard. This kid comes in and makes playing quarterback look easy. He just He's in the right system, number one, because when you look at this San Francisco offense, there's not a whole lot of reading. It's kind of throw it here or there, either or. They don't give them a whole lot. The only thing I worry a little bit about with this, Dan, with their offensive scheme, with all this motion and shifts and change, and I'll just get off tangent a bit. Peyton Manning hated that stuff. Offensively, he never did it because he said, whenever you had a tight end or a wide receiver back going motion and crossed the formation, the defense changed their scheme. They made all these calls. Peyton would rather have a static look at the defense, and I, I agree with this, rather than all these shifts in motion. So with all the stuff the 49ers do, you know, it's hard to play quarterback because everyone's moving on defense as well. That's why they are more of an either or, either throw it here or throw it there system. And a younger quarterback can get into that system and play well a lot quicker. You know, Ron. That, I mean, I, I think it's got. I think it. I think the word is poise that yes. I see with the kid. Yes. And I, I played against Joe. And what made that dynamic so great was that Walsh brought him along so well that if you remember right, first part of his career they rolled a lot right because they wanted managing half the field. And once he had the vision, Ron, to see all the field. Then when he got Rice, I mean, everyone's always like, well, he won Super Bowls. I go, no, he won it with Freddie Solomon, actually, in the <laughs> yeah. first Super Bowl. No right. disrespect to my boy, God rest his soul, but he won with Freddie Solomon. I mean, so 
But this comes down to coaching a Kyle Shanahan. Kyle does such a good job with these guys. He he almost like boutiques these these offensive game plans to Trey Lance, then to Jimmy Garoppolo. And I and I asked some of the guys up there what was different from Garoppolo to Brock. He goes, it was just situational play calling. The plays were the same. Maybe the formations technically were a little bit easier for him to see because they didn't want to convolute it. Yep. Just talk about the job Kyle has done teaching him. Well, it's phenomenal. And there, there are certain guys that understand how to coach the quarterback position and set the quarterback up for success. And, you know, there's a certain skill set you have to play in this system. And I mentioned the processing information. And we all saw Trey Lance. He's a big, strong guy that's going to rip throw. But he was struggling. And he yeah. struggled with accuracy. And in this system, I think you have to understand you have to be a high-percentage thrower. You can dig and dunk all day. Maybe you'll take a shot, but you have to be a high-percentage, accurate thrower. I don't care if you can run or not. You've got to get the ball in your hand quickly and get it in the hands of the people that make the plays, the running backs and the wide receivers, and, of course, the tight end slash receiver. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, Ron, do you agree when you have premium defensive players like Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, Nick Boza, to me, Man, I got a guy like that, and they're not with the same skill set that the Eagles have. Eagles have four 10-plus pass rushers on that front seven. They have one. The rest of them are good run stoppers. I think they're really good against the run, the interior tackles. To me, with Lane Johnson, if healthy, Ron, with a player like Boza, don't you run at him? Instead of running away from him, I don't want him making tackles behind the line of scrimmage and running down the line and scraping the line of scrimmage on me. I want to try to wear him out by the fourth quarter. Is that something you would do, especially with that old line? Not, not necessarily. And I agree. The Eagles offensive line is phenomenal. One of the best in the NFL. Of course, the Niners have a very good offensive line as well. And one thing about Howie Rosen. By the way, Merrill Reese said your line, your line. I said that this may be the best line in Eagle history. He said your line right there with this line. Well, I had left tackle and right tackle Jerry Sizemore, Stan Waller's both all pros. So I was, I was pretty, I was pretty fortunate to have those kinds of guys. And the guy Morris, Woody Peoples, Petey Pro, they were all good offensive linemen. I'm not going to argue with Merrill. Trust me on that. <laughs> <laughs> he wants, he wants to throw my Super Bowl team in the mix. Uh, I'll take it. But I, I here's how I always think when you mentioned Ron Ed Boza, this is kind of uh, he's a key to this game, by the way. And I, and I think early in the game you will see him lined up against Lane. I think they're going to want to test Lane. You know, I mean, he's got a pulled stomach muscle, groin muscle. I don't know. He got, you know, like mid-injury. Um, they're going to test him. They're going to want to see he, Lane opted no surgery, so I'm going to wait after the season. You love the guy. I mean, he's a warrior. You want him to line up and play. But he's going to be tested. And so I think they'll put Boza on that side to start the game and really try to test Lane Johnson and see if, if he will hold up with the speed and quickness of a Joey Bosa. But I, when you say go against my Lana or run left, I say this, Bosa's is a phenomenal player. He will probably be the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, he has played that great. And you could run at him, but he's is, he is, he's, he's like a, a linebacker slash safety. He can avoid the blocks. He gets around blocks. His speed is quickness. And when he has to take out a block, he's very good at doing it. So I don't know if you're – I think you just try to slow him down, you know, in a, in a variety of ways rather than say, this is what we're going to do, and pigeonhole him, move him around, and make the Eagles adjust to him rather than him adjust to the Eagles. Ron, who, how do you see this thing playing out on Sunday? Yeah, I, you know, like I, I, I think it's an evenly matched game. Um, it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough for Purdy to play in in this Philadelphia crowd. Um, 
I, I, you know, everyone can talk about it. You know, I, I, I was a player for the Eagles for 10 years. I played in his league for 17 years. The crowd can impact a football game. This Eagle crowd will be loud. It'll be noisy. There will be some offense, offensive offsides, motion. There, there, there will be issues. But more importantly, what Purdy has to do is do not let it bother. Now, this, this kid has showed Joe Cool composure. He's, he's been very good at the way he handles himself. But he's never been in a place like this. He has never. Iowa State probably had big crowds, and you played Big Ten schools and Big Twelve, whatever it may be. And you play, you know, you play tough teams. There's nothing like he's going to get in Philadelphia. And I don't even know how you prepare for it. They can have crowd noise out in practice and all that stuff. So if you're going to have people, you come out of that tunnel. You know, keep your helmet on. <laughs> keep the helmet on. Right? Hey, hey, you know, hey. When I was a player with the Rams, we came to Philadelphia for a Monday night football game, right? Um, this, this is going back 1975. We were we were killing the Eagles. I went to Rams. We're killing them. All of a sudden, our trainers running up down the sideline. Put your helmet on. We're going. What? Golf balls were being thrown from the 700 little veteran stadium. That's what you cannot prepare for. <laughs> so it's a it's a rabid Philly crowd, and it, you know it, obviously you know the the 49ers are a great team. But this is one their focus must be just perfect. Absolutely. Couple questions on the AFC, sure. if I may. Um, here's what I don't like this week about the Bengals. So January 9th was the first time that you got a chance to start talking about contract extensions to the 2020 quarterback class, Ron. So you could start Jalen, I mean, and all this. So what does Mike Brown do? The first thing he talks about is, well, you know, Joe might want to take less money so that we can pay the rest. I'm like, so you're already <laughs> talking about this guy here taking a pay cut so that, cause you're cheap. You're the Bengals. <laughs> this guy made you relevant. I mean, yeah. Josh, when's the last time you talked about the Bengals in January, two years in a row. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah, I'll say last year and two years in a row. I, I, I'm with you, you know, two years in yeah, a row, yeah. this going into the best era here. And you've got two of the best quarterbacks. I just, I mean, Zach Taylor, do me a favor. Tell me who he is. He's 5-1 and one now in the postseason because of Burrow. I mean, I had to look him up. I thought he was the president of the United yeah. States. Didn't we have a president named Zachary Taylor? I don't know. Who is this guy? And all of a sudden, you're looking at a football team. Josh, I think that team's going to the Super Bowl. I do, too. They're, they're, they're playing terrific football, and they're, they're a complete football team. And Patrick Mahomes being banged up right now with the high ankle sprain that certainly impacts his ability to – you know, take away all, take away half their offense. Cause if he can't move, that's, that's a major part of their offense is what they do. But I always, I, I feel this way about the front office people and GMs and director player personnel. Shut up. <laughs> and I, 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 I say that to all of them yet. You know, when, when you start getting the playoffs, you sometimes open mouth, insert foot and you get caught off guard. It's like, you know what? We love all our players. We'll talk to them after the season. We'll, you know, we get, we have to manage this properly. I mean, you know, to mention, you know, Maybe he'll take a pay cut. That ain't a good way to start the negotiations, by the way. So I have to just shut up, get a win, get a win, and then you know talk about it in the offseason. Hey, Ron, do you think that Andy Reid's a better coach today than he was in Philly? Yes. Yeah. What what what's what's different about and him it's right just now? Like when Dick Vermeil was a great coach in Philly, he was a greater coach when he went to St. Louis. What, what's to- what's the common denominator that that you see that made them better? Experience experience and the ability to adjust to how the game changes. The, the Dan, when you and I played the game, it was a different game that's played. Oh, now. yeah. It's a different game. In fact, I, I've talked a lot this week about the Kittle reception against Dallas. Uh, 
our era, he'd be he'd be in bleachers. He would have got knocked. He would have got knocked in the bleachers. Absolutely. You know, it, it was a, you know, guys bobbling the ball and you whiff by him, going by him. You know, whatever the players now are so afraid of hitting someone because of the the fines, the punishment, the kicked out of games, everything that's going on. It's a different game. Kittle would have been knocked in the bleachers in our era of football. I'm not saying these guys are soft because they're not, but the, the way the rules of the game have changed, that play wouldn't have happened in our area. So it's it, in our area. It's just it, it's that simple. So it's a different game. But back to the coaches, I think the coaches that adapt to the present day players, the players are different now. They're I, I go out to Nick Sirianni's practice. And I'm going. Well, this isn't Don Shula. It's not oh. Nick Vermeil. It's not Buddy Ryan. It's like. But it's that way everywhere. These, you know, it, it, these guys drink cocktails and martinis when you go to a terrible. I, I, I went to a Sirianni practice when he first came, and like we're halfway through practice. I'm with Mike Quick, my, my old wide receiver buddy who calls the games with Merrill Reese, and uh, the team gets together at midfield after about about an hour of practice. And I'm talking to Mike, and I said, an "Hour? What what drill do they go to now?" He goes, "They're done." <laughs> I look, they better not feel an. An hour, <laughs> they're done. Said, okay, the game is changing. It's not, it, you know, there's no two days. There's no pads. Two days. Excuse me. You and I had. I had Ray Perkins, so I had oh, three geez. days, and you had Vermeil. Yeah. You had three days. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different game. Yeah, I don't hey, want to hey, be Ron, one of those whining old guys. You know that. <laughs> oh, I know. Get off my lawn, kind of guys. Yeah. Hey, hey, Ron. Just so my, my feelings again, like you said. Let me tell you, these big mouth wide receivers, man, I'll tell you what, the reason they have big mouths nowadays is because they come across the middle and can't touch them. Back in our day, you had your mouth open, mm. you had a fist put in it, or Jack Tatum knocked your ass out, or yeah. George Atkinson, or anybody, Andre Waters, any of these guys would knock you to F out. Yeah. They want the game like this. And so, hey, Ronnie, again, I have to continue Ronnie myself. Lott. Ronnie what? Lott. I remember putting game plans together to play against Ronnie Lott. And we're telling her, like, the in-breaking routes are two, four, six, and eight. You know, two, the quick slam, four, the button hook, six, the dig, the, the dig route, eight, going to the post. My guys weren't running in-breaking routes. Hey, listen, I'm not running two, four, six, or eight. I run one, three, five, or seven. I'll run those out routes to go to the sideline. Ronnie lost in that middle. And he, hey, I'm not going to the middle. Hey, the truth. That is the truth, Dan. That's the, they would not go because Ronnie Lott was in the middle of that field. They weren't going to get hit from by him. Last question for you, NFL-wise. You think Lamar leaves Baltimore? No. You think they give him the money then that uh, I, Deshaun Watson deal? Yeah, I, no, I don't. I don't think he'll get that. Uh, but I, you know, I don't know how it will all work out. But I, I, I think they have too much respect for him. I think they have respect for each other. It's, 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 it, it, There's, I know there's a lot going on. There's a lot to digest here. But I, I think at the end of the day, they'll work it out. I do too. Ron, it's going to be a great I, – I think the game – I think the Super Bowl comes out of the NFC title. I, I had um, I had, I had Mike Gullick on yesterday. Yeah, he but don't knock, both, don't, don't knock Cincinnati out quite yet. I mean, I I, 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 I got Cincinnati – well, I, I'm leaning towards Cincinnati right now. Haven't made my pick yet. But, boy, I'll tell you – oh, man, I can't wait. Ron, you're always <laughs> awesome. By the way – Golf tournaments, is there a website? You need anything out there? Anybody can go see your Well, stuff? actually, you know, my, my Super Bowl party is uh, the Thursday before the Super Bowl, the Ditka Jaws Cigars with the Stars, 14th year, been running it. It's, it's phenomenal. We raise, you know, close to half a million dollars for at-risk kids in our community and former players. Great How many years has that gone on? Because I could have swore I went to one in Houston or something. 
You Did you have it in Houston? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We had it in Houston. I think absolutely. I went to that yeah. one in Houston when I was out there. Yeah. Well, go to ronjaworski.com. There's, you know, you all the things that I'm doing. And the Scar Party is a big event. I spoke to Kurt Warner this morning because I reach out to invite my my boys in the business. We get we get the who's who of the world and we have a blast and we do good things. It's, you know, it, it's always fun to see. We get a lot of Hall of Famers and we tell stories like when you and I are together and we, we, we get a lot of great support from the present day players. And I think when the, the guys realize if you're doing good work within a community, helping former players, they show up to, to help out. So I, I really get great support. I'm thankful for all the sponsors and former players that, and present players that show up and support what Coach Ditka and I. And we got Brian Erlacher on our committee this year to get some younger blood in there. Hey, Ron, why'd you, why did you decide to stay in Philly? That's a great city. It, re, it really is. I, I love sports. You know, not only was I, you know, an NFL player for 17 years, but you know, I, when I come to Philly, also I'm a, I'm a Flyers fan. I'm a Sixers fan. I'm a Phillies fan. You know, I, just, I kind of like sports. I like the, the college game, basketball locally. So um, it, it, was just, it was just a good community raise to raise my family. I had, I had two daughters and a son. Now I got seven grandsons. So we go to a lot of sporting events. Man, I love that. And by the way, I, I showed the Robustelli picture. I go, you sent me with the Burt Bell. By the way, Jalen was named the winner of the Burt Bell Award, and that's the MVP. And see, to me, that's the MVP because my uncle made and won the Art. He won the Art Bell or the uh, Burt Bell Award. That was so the cool. I, I did not realize that until we had that conversation. Hey, I, hey, I got the Burt Bell trophy sitting on my, my desk at home. Man, I love that thing. Hey, Ron, thank you so much. I can't wait for this weekend. I know you're always swamped, and you always find time for me. Thank you so much, my friend. All right, let's have a, let's have a great championship weekend. Uh, can't wait to get to Phoenix. You got it. Thank you Thanks, so Dan. much, Ron appreciate Jaworski. It, man. Love you. Make sure you check him out. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate you coming aboard like that. All right, hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
My name is uh, Fran Soleno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. We all know that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your social security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Ron Jaworski say that dual quarterbacks are not sustainable? Hmm. Oh. Once again, Big Sill says it. You guys get your panties in a bind. Ron Jaworski says it. Oh. I see. I see. Okay. I told you from day one, not sustainable. Dual threat. Ron doesn't think you can build a football team around a guy who has that skill set. It has to be proven. Okay. Oh, oh, I know. Philly legend. Doesn't think it's sustainable. Um, it's not sustainable. However, just write it out. If Watch this. If you pay Jalen Hurts $40 million a year and he only plays seven years, but he delivers you a championship and a Super Bowl, was it worth it? Of course it is. Some of these guys are not destined. The guy in Buffalo is not destined for a long career either. 
he keeps that shit up, he ain't going to last a long time too. You can't build a team around guys who are going to be in and out of the lineup. Now, to Josh Allen's credit, he's not out of the lineup like Jalen is. Or Lamar. Or Kyler Murray. Or RG3. Or Michael Vick. Okay. Sills, I hope you get a bad. <laughs> ah. Same with Justin Fields. I'll tell you what, though. Justin Fields, I like the kid. I don't think he's going to make it. But if he can figure out the quarterback, and I'm me throwing the ball, and they can figure it out for him, he, he could be something, too, to keep an eye on. I thought he got better. From game one to where I saw him at, well, that's right. I forgot he didn't finish the season either. Okay, he didn't finish the year. That's right, I forgot. He didn't finish the season. So, right, I mean, but if he could figure throwing the ball out in Chicago, um, he, I mean, I mean, they brought, what did they bring in? Claypool from, um, from Pittsburgh? Yeah. Okay, Claypool is Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, I'm not sure that that's going to... Uh, Claypool's probably a little better. Okay, Claypool's probably a little better. But Mahomes has made Schuster look awesome. But then again, it is Patrick Mahomes. Okay? So, still, Stefan Diggs has requested a trade. Trade him. And then you get DeAndre Hopkins up there. They're not going to have a situation where Josh Allen is not going to um, have a star receiver. Trade him. Trade him to Houston. Trade him to Houston. Unless he has a no trade clause, I trade his ass to Houston. Houston has all the draft choices because of Deshaun Watson. Would you trade him to the Eagles? Eagles don't need a wideout. You're not going to have two $20 million guys, so the Eagles are out. Where are you going? New York? The Giants? That'll be the second team that he wants and requested a trade. By the way, Minnesota's just as Minnesota's just fine with the guy they got. <laughs> okay? They're just fine. Where do you go with Diggs? Dallas? Okay? Where are you gonna send him? I'm sending, I'm not sending him to a place he wants. I'm sending his ass to a place that I get draft choices for. <laughs> and by the way, I'm sure, hey, hey, Tone, I'm sure it was one of the internet sources. And, you know, hey, watch his, watch his Tone. It probably was off a website, johnnysmith.com, with like 17 followers. Breaking news, Stefan Diggs to be traded. And this guy's got four followers and an egg for like a Twitter page. Sills is a bully. <laughs> so is everybody in Philly. Welcome to the room. <laughs> like, like, like Joseph said about big Sills. Hey, Sills, no one likes us and we don't care. How <laughs> I know why you love me. <laughs> um. I actually think Justin Fields got better. I do. I actually think they got better. Trey Lance stays in Frisco. Why wouldn't you? I'm not trading him away for a bag of vittles and a third rounder. 
I gave up three ones for him in a second. You got you got Brock Purdy on a $900,000 contract, and you got him on a rookie deal. They're bringing Trey Lance back. They're not going to put him on the open market. They're going to send Garoppolo. They'll get a second-round draft choice uh, for, for Jimmy G. Second, third, something else maybe for him. Jimmy, Jimmy is an unrestricted free agent. Okay, so you have to make the deal before March. Okay, you have to make the deal before March. Anyway, we are getting, hey, tom- hey, so tomorrow's Thursday? Holy cow, man, we are rolling towards the NFC title game and the AFC championship game. I mean, hey, Jaws likes that Bengal team. I do too. I didn't get to the top 10 teams. We'll do that tomorrow. I appreciate everybody. Thank you so much. Please hit the like button. The Jaworski interview will be posted at Jacob Sports. I look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow. We're getting closer to the title games. 3 to 6 Eastern Tone. Great stuff as always. You're awesome. Catch you tomorrow. We'll see you on the flip side. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.